Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place, or maybe it's not. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Hello. Oh, man. Okay, so we're going to do something different for this episode. Yeah, this episode. Um, That's confusing because we're talking about episodes. Uh, For this recording (laughs) of our podcast. For for this episode of our show. (laughs) Yes. Um, Since we are going to be discussing the last two episodes of season one, we're going to combine them into one uh, one show, one one deal. We're doing it all episode 21 and 22 uh, together because um, the discussion warranted for episode 21 bleeds so much into episode 22 that we kind of feel like we should experiment and try to do this all in one go. So bear with us. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, let us know. <laughs> yeah, if, it and- if it doesn't work out, we won't be like in- enforcing this on every two-part episode. Like, 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 we don't care. We don't care if it was horrible. We'll yeah, do it yeah. Again. <laughs> we've actually and we've actually discussed doing this um, for other two-parter episodes earlier in the season. Um, so if this goes well, we might end up doing this in the future. So yeah, with a lot of our uh, mid-season finales and season finales, a lot of them are two-part episodes, and uh, we might as well, I guess, if it goes well. And it, I, I think with this one in particular, the narr- the narrative lends itself to being told in in one go. Yeah. And there's so many elements like character wise between the two episodes that it would be redundant for us to discuss both. I don't don't know why that is what made me think of it, but this has possibly the cheesiest, like most on the nose pun. And I feel like it's really, if you don't pay a lot of attention to it, I feel like it'd be really easy for people to miss it, even though it is really obvious. And I can't wait to get to it. Okay. Um, well, before we start, um, real quick, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Um, definitely go check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and But Why Though Podcast.com. Uh, tons of good podcasts, tons of good articles, written content. Um, I believe uh, they're trying to get like a some YouTube stuff going and um, some people in the community are Twitch streamers. So definitely go check them out. We're super proud to be a part of their community. Um, And also if you have not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't know why you're here, but welcome anyway. um, Except except, uh, (laughs) a specific Ron. I know we have a Ron who is a listener, a regular listener, and then another Ron who has listened to one episode (laughs) where we gave him a shout out. So I know why he would be listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So welcome. If this is your first episode, uh, thanks for listening. But you should really go watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. if you haven't done so. It is on Netflix um, all the way through the end of season five. We will just be discussing spoilers um, for seasons two through five at the end of this episode. So if you have not watched ahead, um, please go do so before you listen to the spoiler section. Or if you don't care, just listen anyway, because we talk about good stuff. Um, (laughs) All right. Here we go. Uh, So I'm going to talk about the synopses for both episodes before we get into the discussion. So here we go with season one, episode 21, titled Ragtag, written by Jeffrey Bell, a series regular writer and directed by Roxanne Dawson, who has also directed other episodes. Originally aired May 6th, 2014. All right, 
We begin in Plymouth, Massachusetts, in a juvenile detention center. This is 15 years ago. And oh, look, it's Grant Ward, a baby Grant Ward. And he's in juvie. Weird. Um, oh, and Garrett walks in. Ha, huh, weird. Uh, so we find out that Ward tried to burn his parents' house down and didn't know his brother was in the house. And Garrett goes on about being a pyro when he was a kid. And he's real creepy about it. And Garrett's basically there because he heard through the grapevine that Ward is special or just uh, kind of a lost cause, it seems like. That's not uh, directly said uh, in the dialogue, but that's what it kind of seems like. Garrett's just trying to exploit um, this kid who has nothing going for him. And so he's trying to give him an out. Um, he says that Ward's parents and brother are pressing charges and they want him tried as an adult and it's going to ruin his life. So he's giving him a way to get out of that. Um, and he says, no one will ever screw with you again. Say yes. And so Ward says yes. And all these soldiers storm in and Garrett's like, I told you it would be fun in his creepy way. <laughs> God, Bill Paxton is excellent at this character, I must say. Um, it's going to be a recurring theme through these two episodes. All right. We are in the motel in Los Angeles and the kids, Fitzsimmons and Skye, are watching the news. And apparently a drug lord in Colombia was killed by none other than Deathlock. And they're like, oh, man. Um, May and Coulson uh, come in and they're like, hey, guys, come here for a second. And they have a literal drawing board where they are connecting the dots <laughs> between all of the elements that they we've slowly been uncovering throughout the whole first season. It, um, is, not, it is not a great web or flow chart no. like literally like- there's there's one thing in the middle and then a bunch of satellites and colson is just zigzagging across it's and it almost feels like in story like very early on in zigzagging across he realizes how poorly it's constructed <laughs> and it's, it's it's some good subtle and brief comedy in some like pretty i feel like both heavy like dramatic wise and just heavy like word and content wise like info drop like you oh, know like they're, sure. they're trying to catch you up and they're like but they managed to make it entertaining and funny even for someone who has been watching these maybe in unnecessarily uh over attentive detail yeah, <laughs> like I, feel like, I. I feel like it makes fun of the whole like spy um what's the word i'm looking for uh like Oh my God! Why can't I think of this word? Conspiratorial? I don't. I don't know. Um, like in spy movies where they just like dump a whole bunch of information on you to like catch you back up and like make like, you just an exposition drop. Exposition. Sort of? Thank you. Yeah, like it's an exposition drop, but it's making fun of like the whole idea of like a drawing board and a visual cue to like explain everything to the audience because it's just so ridiculous and basic and he just like gives up on it he's like oh i really should have done another diagram (laughs) 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 but basically what it comes down to is garrett wants gh325 for the centipede serum um and sky left a present in the hard drive she left a trojan horse virus but she didn't have enough time to complete it so they need to plug in another um portable hard drive into a computer that is on the cybertech system to activate it um so they need to get into a cybertech office with a computer connected to their network and they're going to do this but it's unofficial this is off books they are no longer shield um and fitz goes we're vigilantes which uh, is kind of true and colson you can tell is like well no but he kind of likes the idea like oh well maybe <laughs> i guess so <laughs> Oh, man. 
on the bus, which is under the control of Garrett, uh, if you remember, because Sky and uh, Coulson flew away in Lola and landed in front of LA Live. Um, so Mike uh, Peterson, Deathlock, Ward, and Garrett are all aboard, and Ward is not happy with Garrett and Mike's methods. He has this line of dialogue where he talks about how he could have killed the drug lord without having his face show up on TV, but Garrett wants it all out in the open, and Ward just doesn't get it. He's like, I don't, I don't understand. He's like, not happy. Mike is also not happy um, because you know Mike's essentially being forced to do all this shit against his will, and he has no choice. Um, but one person is happy, and that's Raina, because she is very close to replicating GH325, which makes Garrett happy. So two people are happy, two people are not. <laughs> Back at the motel, um, poor Fitz is still like trying to justify that Ward was like not evil, that he was like under the influence of Garrett somehow. Maybe he has like a cybertech implant. Like he's trying to rule out all these things that could have happened because there's no way that Ward could be this evil person. And it's very sad to see him like this. Um, and Trip uh, returns back to the hotel with a suitcase full of his grandpa's howling commando stuff. Um, so they open up the suitcase, and Coulson and Trip are nerding the fuck out because it's all this like super old, um, like World War II era spy tech that Coulson, as we know, collects. Um, all his stuff that was on the bus is all collector stuff like this. Um, and they don't have any of their own tech because they're not Shield anymore, so they don't have any backup or access to any of this kind of stuff. So this is it for them. Um, and Sky goes, where did they buy this stuff? The back of a comic book? Which, there we go with that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. self-awareness. <laughs> we're back. We're back there. Um, and Fitz is like nerding out with this like laser thing. And he lights the curtains on fire. And May says, watch out, Hydra. Here we come. Like, this is a clusterfuck. <laughs> and it's funny because like they're, the tech is isn't like isn't crazy preposterous and i'm gonna maybe date myself a little bit here for some people but like i feel like it it's no different than old school james bond stuff but oh, right the way they're reacting is sort of like it's like get smart yep. <laughs> and I, I feel like that you know with with may and and uh sky kind of rolling their eyes a little bit at how silly it all is but i, I do think and it makes sense that what was you know badass sci-fi spy gear to people in like who were writing it like in the 40s and making them in the movies in the 60s and 70s and whatnot that's like nothing compared to what we you know in a world with iron man and whatnot and, right. and, and the guardians of the galaxy they got some sci-fi that they have to compete with yeah and i think um i forget if it was fitz or colson that made a point like oh all this stuff has to look like regular stuff because if they got caught they had to be able to have like plausible deniability it's just like oh you know this is just a cigarette these are just smokes <laughs> with right. lasers on the end <laughs> so but it makes all that stuff kind of like super hokey and like cheesy looking because <laughs> it's like toys it seems like all right, uh, we go to Wyoming 15 years ago. So Garrett, Ward, and this dog are wandering around out there, and they've gone hunting. Um, and Garrett starts um, talking to Ward about how from here on out, you earn everything. Um, these are my ducks that I shot. I'm going to eat real good tonight. And Buddy, the dog, deserves them even more than you did because you didn't do shit. And so Garrett 
leaves Ward out there alone with nothing but his bag of clothes and and the dog, Buddy. And he says he'll be back in a couple of months. And just the way he does this is so... Like, it's clear that he's trying to teach him to be self-sufficient and a survivor, but the way he does it is super abusive and gross. And, uh, like, it's just the beginning of... I mean, we've already seen elements of their relationship in this sense, but as the episode goes on, we'll see more and more of how he's just awful to Ward. And no wonder Ward turned out to be a freaking psycho. So, all right. At Cybertech, uh, because I forgot to mention that they found a Cybertech office in Palo Alto. So they are going to infiltrate this office to plug in the Trojan virus um, that Sky planted. So they're trying to get into Cybertech with Coulson and May dressed up as S.H.I.E.L.D. scientists. So they're both wearing glasses and they're dressed in little suits and sweaters looking very preppy and it's very silly. Um, And they're trying to sell, I guess, this tech, um, this S.H.I.E.L.D. tech that they developed, they developed, quote, um, to Cybertech scientists. And Cybertech mentions that they've been getting scientists from S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. And the HYDRA scientists tend to be younger and they have more interesting stuff to bring. So that's that was kind of an interesting line. Um, and this scene is just comedic gold because Fitz and Simmons are feeding May and Colson dialogue about the tech that they're presenting to these people. And so Colson and May are essentially like pretending to be Fitz and Simmons. And Colson accidentally like slips in a little bit of like a Scottish accent at one point. No, he, he does. And- he, he rolls his R once. He has a little bit of a brogue and he catches himself. It's so yeah. silly, but it's good. And then they're both talking to them in the mic at the same time. And so they're like both talking over each other as Fitz and Simmons would do if they're talking, you know, they're nerding out about tech. And it's just hilarious because May has this voice, this like sweet voice, like how Simmons has. And it's, oh my God, it's just, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're kind of trying to one up one another in, in like terms of whose innovation is more like spectacular for this device. And, and like the, the way that the scene is punctuated, it just has, uh, cause they're, they're not impressed because Hydra has been inside shield. They Hydra has been repurposing all their tech. So when they show them the icer, they're like, Oh, you know, we already have, this as an aerosol grenade. Like it's much more effective in this and that. And you see, uh, Coulson like living out fits, defending it. And just the way he like <laughs> puts it back down on the table twice, like, but it's, a, but this is an icer. Yeah, but I made it this. Sound, it sounds cooler, and I like it more. Like, yeah. I, 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 it's like, like, and it's it's very very cheesy, but it's uh, it's great. It is great. It was it was fabulous, and all of this is just to stall because Sky is in a truck somewhere with Trip trying to figure out um, where a computer is that they can plug into, and. She's like, I can't find anything. And then they realize something is on the fourth floor that's protected. And so um, they tell Colson and May they need to get to the floor, the fourth floor somehow. So Cybertech doesn't want to buy any of their tech because it's shit um, <laughs> that they already have. And so they are escorted to the elevator um, where they get in and, and uh, there's a Cybertech agent there that pushes the down button. The door closes. And we hear a scuffle <laughs> with the door closed. And all of a sudden, the up arrow lights up on the elevator, which was a very cute way of being like, oh, they took care of it. And now they're going to the fourth floor. <laughs> um, 
So they get off on the fourth floor and there's a guy in the hallway that sees them. And there's this random red emergency phone in the hallway. And so there's a race to the phone. And so May does all these backflips as the cyber tech guy is running to the phone. And he picks up the phone, but May like knocks him out and grabs the phone and hangs it up before he can say anything. (laughs) And uh, Coulson has this moment where he's just kind of like staring at her all googly eyed like I'm really glad you're back (laughs) he's just he loves his friend so much and maybe maybe a little more than a friend (laughs) um on the bus Raina is working and Mike is standing there watching her and she's like why are you staring at me and he asks her like why are you doing this like why how could you do this to me and my son And she goes, I was following orders just like you. But Mike makes a very good point that she does not have an eye implant or someone threatening her son. And Raina starts getting a little crazy. She starts talking about how um, she just wants to know uh, what she wants to know what is inside. And she wants it to be revealed. I wrote that really weird in these notes. And that is not correct. But that's as close as it's going to get. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that's actually supposed to say. Um, and then she starts talking about how Sky um, and her might have something in common. Hmm. Interesting. Back at CyberTech, um, they go to the fourth floor and they, there are no computers. It's all paper files. Um, so they start searching the files and they find the Deathlock program file and it goes back to the 90s which is weird. And they realized that Garrett was patient zero. So he, and we've mentioned this on the spoiler section on previous episodes, but he was the first deathlock patient. Um, they call Sky and Trip, and Colson goes, get ready for a large file transfer. And so Sky's like, okay. And then they just throw the entire cabinet out the window, which is like so cheesy, but Ha-ha. <laughs> <See>. <laughs> um, and they grab the the cabinet and they're in it. they use uh, some howling commando tech to grapple a rope so that Coulson and May can slide out the window and everyone's safe and it's hooray. <laughs> uh, back on the bus, Ward is still really mad at Garrett for uh, Garrett giving orders to Mike to zap him with that thing. And Garrett just is like, all these years, and you're still playing the victim. And he just says all this other abusive shit to him. And then is like just going off and all of a sudden he just collapses um, either in pain or we're not sure at this point. And then we realize that his deathlock tech is failing. And so um, Ward this has happened before it seems like because Ward seems to know what to do uh back of the motel Fitz is still thinking that Ward could be the victim here and he's just so pure and sweet and I feel so bad for Fitz um but Sky uh complete opposite is super upset that she didn't kill him when she had the chance and Coulson says no um she had compassion and that's harder which interesting um, that's harder than being a killer. Um, and then back on the bus, we find out that Garrett is is dying. Like, um, and I think we've talked about this in the in the spoiler section in the past. But um, the reason the Deathlock Tech isn't making him super strong is because his organs are failing, and he's like essentially just making ma- meeting baseline at this point. And he might he has about two months um, to live. Back at the motel. Sky is alone in a hotel room and she's looking up stuff on the computer about Ward and May comes in to talk 
And um, she says, you know, Fitz needs to believe what he needs to believe for right now. And that's fine. That's for him. But um, May and Sky both know better. They know that Ward is evil and awful. And Sky talks about how she's super envious of May for not having any feelings about this. And May goes, you think I don't feel anything? I'm furious, but I'm sure as hell not going to waste that on a tantrum. And she's just kind of honing her anger and getting ready to use it. And she's a little scary in that moment. Like, this is why May is so intense. (laughs) And then Skye talks about how she wishes she knew how to do that. And May kind of gives a very agent May offer to train her. She's like, I'm up most mornings at five, Um, which seems like the beginning of a uh, mentor-mentee relationship, which is cool. Um, And then Coulson barges in and he says that they've tracked Cybertech to Cuba. So in Cuba, oh my God, my cat is pooping (laughs) right now and it smells really, really bad. Why did I put the litter box in the office? (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) it's so bad. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I'm just going to try and continue. Um. In Cuba, Reyna is disappointed in Garrett's motives. She (laughs) wanted this next step. Uh, She wanted something more than just like trying to save Garrett's life. Um, But she found out something about Skye and um, she goes to war and she's like, you know, I found out something about Skye, but I don't know if I should tell Garrett. And she's totally playing him. And Ward's like, no, no, Garrett has enough on his plate. Just tell me. Like she knows that Ward like has a thing for Skye and like, knows that Ward is increasingly unhappy with Garrett as she is. And um, so she she totally plays the situation. She's so good. Um, anyway, she says that uh, Sky's DNA is a match for this baby that she heard about from China from a long time ago. And she heard that um, the entire village was slaughtered by these monsters. And it turns out the baby's parents were the monsters which is a new element to the story that we did not know about before. How does how does Raina know that? Hmm. Oh my God, it smells so bad in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, back in Wyoming, uh, Garrett. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like derailing this. Um, back in Wyoming, Garrett returns to Ward in the woods, and it's been six months. And Garrett is just like so fucking abusive and crazy. He pulls a gun on him just to scare him, just to show off like his marksmanship skills. And he's like, oh, you're going to be better than me, you know, when we're done with you type of thing. And it's like, dude, like, did you have to do that? Like you left him out alone for six months to take care of himself. And then you're like scaring him. (sighs) I hate him so much. Yeah, no, it's it's super messed up. And like you said, it's going to be recurring of throughout this episode in particular, but he's just, he is, he's just the the worst and he's super emotionally abusive and manipulative and gaslighty. And like everything about him is like an abusive parent or abusive partner, like a little bit of both. And it's just like, he, he messes with him in, in every possible turn to make him like under his thumb and to hurt and, and just to, to be like vulnerable and dependent on him. It's like, he, yeah. He, he he's made him he's not quite a nihilist because he believes in Garrett but that's it and it's like gross it's so gross yeah and it's like i mean and we'll get to this um when we wrap up the next episode but just like get, like ward doesn't know who he is without garrett <laughs> because garrett has made that relationship so dependent on him 
that like everything that Ward has done up until this point in his life has been for Garrett. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, the math's pretty quick, right? He said it's 15 years ago. He was 17. So yeah. it's just about half of his life. Like, Well, and he he took him out of an impossible situation. Like he was either going to be in juvie and in jail probably for a long time. Or in real like, – like, or in grown-up yeah. jail. Yeah. yeah, or prison for, you know, for a long time. Or he could go with Garrett. Like he didn't really give him – a cho- a good choice, you know what I mean? Like, and he's just like, you got ten seconds, or I'm leaving. It's like, that's abusive shit too. That's not giving him um real, um, it, it's not giving him a real choice. Like, y- he's choosing to give up his life either way. Like, whether it's for the system or for the stranger that just walked in and is like, hey, do you not want to be in juvie? I have, you know, we could do other shit together. <laughs> it's like, and then he and then he gets this. This is like what he signed up for. And he makes him completely dependent on him, like you said. Ugh. Anyway, um, so we're in Cuba again, and Garrett is talking about how he's super unnerved by Reina, which I wrote in the notes. Good, you crazy, abusive asshole. <laughs> like, be unnerved by someone else, please. Um, and and Reina walks over, and she gives Garrett the replicated GH325, where it's, like, very closely replicated. And she says it's the only vial that they have, and Garrett wants it close to him because they are moving their base to a new location in the States. So he wants to be the one to carry it. Um, meanwhile, the team is, is in Cuba, and they're getting ready for an assault. And it's so cute because Trip and Fitz are finally getting along after all this time of uh, Fitz being so weird and jealous. Um, and Fitz and Simmons are going to go track the bus, but if they find it, they are told not to engage because they don't have backup. <laughs> um, and they go to this barbershop where uh, you know, their hydro base was, was located and it seems deserted. But Sky consents, um, or she consents, she can, she, uh, with whatever tech she's using, can see that there's like computers in the barbershop. Um, and then we find out that Fitz and Simmons find the bus, um, but it's like three hours away and it's going to be long gone before the rest of the team can th- get there. Um, but Sky says that because there's still a lot of power being diverted into the barbershop, she's sure there's a computer there and she wants to go and try to plug in the virus into one of the computers while they're there so they can eventually track them again. Um, but Fitz and Simmons don't know this. They don't hear this part of the conversation. And so they're, you know, they're told to just stand down and just let the bus go. And they're like, we don't want to be back at square one. And so they try to figure out a way um, to track the bus Um and so they are going to send a dwarf in, but uh, before they can get going, Ward shows up, uh, and they're brought on the bus. And Fitz and Simmons, um, actually, it's more Fitz, just like lets Garrett have it, and is just like you asshole. And he's like going in his pocket, but Ward sees him, and he pulls out what looks like this like hand zapping toy, and Ward is just like, oh, you stupid kid. And then Fitz pushes the button, and it's actually the Howling Commando EMP, and all the electronic tech in the bus goes down, including Garrett, because he is hooked up to that Deathlock tech. And so, ha! <laughs> um, but it's all in vain, because they're still caught on the bus. But at least Garrett's down. Um, um, back in Wyoming now 10 years ago um, Ward looks like Ward now <laughs> he doesn't look like a child um, 
And Garrett and him are, are sitting there eating food out of cans in the woods. He was <laughs> <laughs> just really roughing it, guys. Um, and uh, Garrett is telling Ward about his injuries. And, and um, Ward is very attached to this dog that um, Buddy, Buddy the dog. And he's like, oh, he's super loyal, like blah, blah, blah. And Garrett um, starts telling him kind of having like a weird conversation to him about loyalty and he uh, explains about his injuries and how shield left him to die basically and he like essentially like shoved his guts back in his body and duct taped himself shut and so he feels like shield failed him and so he starts to tell ward about his other allegiance which is hydra so he's like uh, i was working for a secret organization within a secret organization um and then in another edit, uh, Garrett comes back and tells Ward that he's been accepted into S.H.I.E.L.D. Ops and it's time for them to leave and he's got to take care of Buddy. Um, and Garrett, or not Garrett, Ward kind of pauses and Garrett's like, it's not a weakness, is it? <laughs> Which, oh my God, take care of Buddy, aka shoot the dog, if you didn't catch that. Um, his, his only companion for months at a time when... When yeah. Garrett would, would abandon him in the woods as like a 17 through like 19 year old or whatever. So messed up. So, so messed up. But again, making Ward completely dependent on him, you know, like can't have him being loyal to anyone else, even a dog. <sighs> yeah, no, it's so it's super, super messed up. Um, so back on the bus, Garrett is dying and um, his dying wish for Ward is to take care, take care of Fitz and Simmons like he wanted him to take care of Buddy. And he says, it's not a weakness, is it? It's mirroring what we just saw before. So this is clearly something that has come up between the two of them, not just these two times, but plenty of other times. Ugh, sucks. Um when Ward leaves, Garrett asks Raina to use the GH325 on him. And he's like, what the hell? What have I, what do I got to lose? And uh, knowing that it's the last of the serum, he doesn't care because he's Garrett. And this was his whole purpose anyway. Um, so Fitz and Simmons are in the lab and they, they fight off some of these cybertech guys and they make a run for it and they lock themselves in uh, one of the pods on the bus and Ward goes and he's like, come on guys, open the door. And they're like, no, fuck you. Um, and Ward goes over to a wall panel and he starts pushing buttons to release the pod from the plane and they start like begging and Ward is like, please, we're friends. And then we start getting this edit of young Ward pointing the gun at Buddy the dog. And Fitz is like, I know you care about us. And Ward uh, turns around and we just see his face with Fitz and Simmons screaming in the background through the window. And he's like, I do. And it's a weakness. And then we get an edit of Ward uh, holding Buddy in the scope of the rifle. And we hear a shot. And then Ward releases the pod and the pod drops into the ocean. Fuck. The scene was like super intense. And I didn't remember it being that emotionally charged. Yeah, no, it, it was really <sighs> rough. Like, I don't know. Just the editing with like the dog stuff and young ward and then like, oh my God. And then him being like, yeah, I do care. <laughs> and him wanting to like wipe it out. Yeah, there's something about the way they oh they do God. war without getting too much, you know, off off the recap real quick. Just I feel like this episode and and the next they really hit home how just the like I feel like the 
like just the basic element of the character in that we understand him, but it doesn't like it's it's so weird because it's it's as justified as any of this can be with his history, but yeah. at the same time, like you don't love him, you don't root for him. Like it's this weird mixture of just understanding the bad guy, and honestly, like. I don't love that right now. <laughs> I don't you either. Know what it's, I, mean? I don't. It's need, really hard. I don't need to understand the bad guy. Like, like, like just you know, like that's the that's the difference is when you the choice you make when you go through all this stuff because a yeah, lot of like, our characters by the, by where we leave off in the present day, a lot of them have gone through some crazy crap that could turn you either way. And I think like that's that's the story over and over again in like a lot of these comic books situations and comic book inspired stuff. And there's a whole series of, of uh, Marvel comics called what if that is uh, about other dimensions where uh, one thing was slightly different and it changed everything. And, and like some of them are, what if, you know, the fantastic four uh, didn't go into space and, and uh, you know, Dr. Doom did instead. And in those stories, Dr. Doom's the good guy. And, and yeah. Tony Stark becomes Doctor Doom or something, and it's, and stuff like that happens in these stories over and over again. And it, it, I think that they really wanted to show, like Stanley and, and Jack Kirby and those guys, really wanted to show in their in their mind in all these stories that the difference between a hero and a villain is what you do when, when you face adversity. Pretty much, yeah. it's, it's not. There's nothing more the choices to it than matter. That. Well, and yeah. and like you look at the origins of all these guys and the the difference between the Hulk and Dr. Doom is very little. Like it's just what the people do with the results, you know, like one of them has an awful real curse that makes them into a physical monster where they lose control and they still try and do everything they can to help people and, and do, do right. The other one is a genius who scars his face a little bit and goes insane. (laughs) Disproportionate reactions maybe, but still it's like, uh, but Ward is a he, we we get a, a class. It's almost like a, a Breaking Bad esque like like look at a supervillain. Like we know why he is the way he is, but it doesn't really make it better. It just makes me frustrated. <laughs> I know. Well, because he still pushes the button and releases the pod. Like and he, he, and he had he, he had the opportunity to not do that, and he knows. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's so it's so bad, and I like. I just you can tell it what's make what makes it hard is that you can see that there is conflict in him, not to get all Star Wars on you, but <laughs> like you can see there's conflict and you can see that like him being undercover for all these months with this team really did give him relationships with these people yeah, and there's stuff i and, I want to get into, but I feel like we'll venture uh, yeah, well, not, well I mean a little bit. Definitely into discussion, well, I, if not a spoiler. So yeah, I want to talk about Fitz and Ward and their parallels specifically um, when we get to the discussion in yes. the spoiler section. So we'll put Good. a pin in this, um, and we'll continue on the recap because it's almost this episode's almost over. Get to part two um, of our recap. And you know, when we started doing this show, I never thought we would spend so much time talking about Ward. No, because we both <laughs> like, hate him. But but hate I never po- but hate is a powerful <laughs> emotion, you know. Like, really and he's just a through line until. The last two seasons, he is a through line, and even yeah. in the second half of that first of the last two of uh, of what season four, you know, was very much, yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I know. Without getting into spoilers, yeah. There's yeah, he um he he, he, he <sighs> yeah, without getting into specifics, uh Ward's presence is long felt on this show. We'll leave it at that <laughs> for now. <laughs> can't can't um, that, that's I feel like that's ominous without being specific. Yep. Um all right, so still on the bus, Raina injects the GH-325 into Garrett, and Ward is, Ward comes back at this point after taking care of Fitz and Simmons. Taking care of Fitz and Simmons. Ugh. Um, and Garrett starts um, flipping out, and he starts glowing as if he's going to explode like one of the other centipede soldiers. And then he stabilizes, and he has this crazy-ass look on his face, and Ward's like, what do you feel? And Garrett's like, the universe. Oh, God. <laughs> what did they do? Um, back in Cuba, the team finds a computer so that Sky can plug in, but they also find a bunch of centipede soldiers that are in the dark, and they come out with their creepy glowing eyes, and it feels like a Terminator moment. It's super creepy. Um, and then the end scene is um, Washington, uh, in Washington, D.C. Quinn um, is now the face of Cybertech again, whatever. Um, since shields fall he is uh uh, now redeemed and he is a golden child in the eyes of the public i guess whatever uh quinn is now meeting with u.s generals and he um is trying to sell cybertech technology to the government because the he uses the deathlock um deathlock killing that drug lord as a demonstration of like what the capability is and so he's like you guys need security more than ever in these weird times so that's an interesting parallel to uh, our government now mm-hmm. <laughs> in the past, like, 20 years. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Ugh. All right. Let's move on to episode 22, um, and then we can discuss everything. Yeah. <laughs> we'll discuss everything. All right. So season one, episode 22, beginning of the end. This one was written by Marissa Tantron and Jed Whedon, uh, directed by David Strayton, aired May 13th, 2014. So this episode begins in an office and this white dude is giving this brown dude a tour (laughs) who he is clearly a new employee. He's like, hey, why are you here? And he's like, oh, I'm here for the incentives program. And the white dude's like, yeah, hardly anyone can turn that down. And uh, we realize that this is the Cybertech eye implant control room, which is super creepy. So there's a, a person at each terminal that's controlling one of the soldiers and giving them orders. It's it's a um, drone. It's like a drone station. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. But it's it's people. Instead but it's of, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instead of little drone planes. So like, yeah, and we, which which also when you think about how like th- some of those are like in like office facilities, like not even on like secure military bases. I know. So like that could be like in a mall or something, which is <laughs> awful to think about. Super for- super creepy. They're like someone is There's- like forty feet away in a, in a Jabba Juice. <laughs> and, and yeah, they're like drone strikes in Yemen. No big deal. Yeah, and, like, yeah. um, but yeah, and so um, uh, we and we know that this is the Cybertech Eye Implant Control Room because we see Coulson and his team, and the dudes like, oh, we don't like these guys. We got to take care of them. <laughs> So we go to Cuba uh, for in that same moment, and um, the team is there. And Colson says this line: "Who do we talk to about getting a haircut?" Which is just so oh, Colson. <laughs> uh, no, I feel like 
None of them have the delivery of it, but a lot of them just feel like a guy who's constantly trying to be in Die Hard. <laughs> like like I some know. of the stuff he says. <laughs> well, he Coulson sometimes feels like he is in like a '90s action movie. No, you know he, what I mean, or, he, <laughs> or like a spy movie or whatever. But I feel like it's not, his delivery is always just a little more dry than those guys. I feel like on yeah. some level, it's like the character is aware. Not that he's in a TV show or whatever, but. The character is like so self-aware. It's like they're they're a little sarcastic. <laughs> I kinda, exactly, I love it's, it. I do too. It's like throwing shade at it while also being cheesy um, because it's a spy show that has powered individuals based yeah. on a comic book. It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's winky it's, without being. It's like like some some shows are winky and they're like self-indulgent and like patting themselves in the back and they're just like we are we're better than you we're so clever yeah but i feel like with this it's less of that and more like we're having fun with this exactly and we're making fun of the genre it's not not like a hateful making fun of it's like it's a it's a loving way like like when you give your friends guff or whatever i don't know i i love everything about the way it, it works at this point like it's it I felt like it was a lot to process between like pilot and episode three, which is why it lost me initially. Yeah. But like yeah. it, it now, you know, with everything, I think it's they do a really good job with it. Yeah, looking back, it's easier to be um, more uh, benevolent about it because if you see the whole show as as like a whole entity, like this comes back again and again <laughs> and it works. Yeah, um, they can go and it deep. balances it because ba- it gets so serious right. and dark sometimes. Like it really does balance that out because it kind of needs to. Because <laughs> they can go very deep, but they also, they, they do, they balance it like you say with, uh, yeah. they, I don't know, they, they can go deep without being self-important and uh, they can get like really wacky and sci-fi and comic booky without feeling just like absolutely horrendously awful. And uh, exactly. I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. But I knew, you know, for some people that takes them out of the moment. And so it can like pull you out of the narrative. Um, so I, I get why like people have a hard time with season one because <laughs> for the first time through watching it, that could be like, oh man, really Colson? That's what you're saying. And you know, watching it through like a second or third time you're like oh that's just colson <laughs> like self-aware and uh, that's just that's just who he is um so anyway i forgot to mention before in the previous recap but um uh, someone one of the soldiers walks in with a berserker staff um so may at this point may goes and grabs the berserker staff from that soldier and she goes nuts and she starts knocking down the columns in the building um and Coulson's like, all right, bring the house down. And Sky gets the Trojan horse into the computer and uh, May knocks down all the columns and they all escape. <laughs> um, on the bus, Garrett hears news about Coulson and his team escaping. And he's just so nuts now and so enlightened that he doesn't even care. He's like, doesn't even matter. Um, and he's like, give me a pen. And he starts drawing on... Um, some glass as he's talking to Ward and Quinn and Raina are kind of off to the side and they're very concerned. They're like, what the fuck is happening with this guy? Like uh, Quinn's like, I didn't sign up for this. Um, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And Ward starts asking Garrett like, okay, uh, so you got what you wanted. You're cured. You're healed. Now what? What's the plan? And um, Garrett says all this nonsense. And then he's like, Ward, you know, you've served me so well. It's time to get what you want um, out of life. (laughs) And um, 
the camera pulls away and we see that Garrett draw this weird shit that we've actually seen before. Um, it was in I Spy, the episode where Ward um, is wearing the glasses and he infiltrates um, that base. I forget where it's at. Some somewhere in the eastern in an eastern bloc country, um, Belarus. They're in Belarus and. Um, He's supposed to, he his mission with the glasses to is to go and take a picture of this wall, and it's the same weird writing. And so Garrett has just drawn this shit out of nowhere. I wonder if it's related to the GH three twenty five. Hmm. So now we're back with the team, and um, Colson mentions that the tracker is showing that Fitz and Simmons planted on the bus is showing where the bus is, but Fitz and Simmons are not answering their comms. And Sky just looks stricken, like, oh my God, that probably means they're dead. And Colson's like, we can't think about that right now. We have to keep moving forward. And then we go to the bottom of the ocean. Um, Fitz and Simmons are still alive. Um, Fitz has a broken arm, but he managed to keep them alive for now. He even rigged up a makeshift uh, transponder with an, the e, the um, the AED that's present. There's all these like medical supplies everywhere. So um, uh, he made this transponder, but he put it on shield frequency and realized that uh, shield doesn't exist anymore. So probably no one is listening and they're 90 feet down in the middle of the ocean and they're going to run out of oxygen at some point. They are screwed and they're probably going to die down there. And it's, uh. so the team, there's this weird scene where Colson is just spouting off this like spy babble, like I don't even know what to call it. They're just like using all these nicknames and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, and then the rest of the team is like in on it. And as an audience member, I was just completely confused. I was like, okay, what's going on? This is going to have significance later, but I don't understand any of it. <laughs> it's just like this really weird scene in the middle of like all this seriousness, um, which is very shield. So I guess it fits. Um, back on the bus. Ward um, is talking to Randy. He's like, you need to go talk to Garrett. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's crazy and you need to talk to him. So he takes her to Garrett and um, Garrett is staring at the Gravitonium and he's telling Raina that he can see its soul. Which, dude. Um, and Raina's like, look, um, I'm pretty disappointed in your motives. Uh, but now she's realizing that they might actually be seeing eye to eye now. Um, they're interested in evolution. And Garrett claims to see it all now. And he's like, ask the question that you want to ask. Because I can see everything now. And Raina's like, what will I become? Which leads into stuff I definitely want to discuss <laughs> in our spoilery section. Definitely. Um, back at the bottom of the ocean, um, Fitz and Simmons are talking about death. And Simmons gives this really beautiful speech about the first law of thermodynamics that um, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It's just um, recycled back into, you know, back into the universe. Um, and just about how it gives her peace knowing that something long ago was probably just as scared as they were to die, but died and was able to give them life. And part their atoms are made up of, you know, millions of things that are billions of years old that have just been cycling around the universe for, for millennia. And that when they die, they're going to feed that back into the system. And it's really beautiful. Um, 
And Fitz is getting emotional listening to this. And as they're talking, um, Simmons suddenly has an idea of how to blow the glass um, in the pod, the window, so that they can get out. And so they start getting excited because they're going to plan to escape this pod. There's a lot of holes in this plan, but we're going with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they don't they don't have it all worked out yet, but they've got that they've got that how to they've got they've got the how to blow it out with some sort of propulsion to get uh, yeah will, they, they've got melting points and, got, and, got and like, all kinds of chemicals. They've got and- <laughs> very very little worked out, but they've got the spark, no pun intended, of what they need yeah. to both, <laughs> both blow up the window and just get their idea going. Oh man! All I, right, I, I could um, I could so, be writing this specific episode of Shield with puns like that because that. Oh is- my god! Seriously, so many. Um, so now um, we're at the U.S. based um, cyber tech and in New Mexico somewhere, and Quinn is giving a tour to the generals. Um, meanwhile, Trip and Coulson have stolen a Humvee on the same cyber tech base. And they are wreaking havoc and alarms are starting to go off. And so the generals are like, okay, full disclosure, what the fuck is going on? You need to tell us or we're not opening our checkbooks. And Garrett and Deathlock walk into the tour and Garrett starts saying crazy shit. And Quinn's like, he's just our consultant. (laughs) And the generals are like, uh, what the hell is this guy saying? Yeah, one of the generals is just like, seriously, like, you've been full of it from the beginning. And I've not said anything for, so, I'm not, I've, I've let you like finish, but you've got to explain everything right now. Because Gary is like, basically, yeah. like, he sounds like a college student who just took mushrooms for the first time. <laughs> like, yeah. he walked into Thanksgiving <laughs> and it's like, 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 it's like, this is him introducing his boyfriend or something to his family at Thanksgiving. Yeah. He's like, I see all the colors in the universe, man. <laughs> and it's like, like no. wait, wait. He's like, you're going to give me everything that I want. And they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why do I trust you at all at this point? Like, like, like it, which it's, it's another moment where like, like there's some humor without a, but this time without being like winky at all, like just natural, no. natural humor from like, the events happening. That was really good. I, I felt like it lightened the mood without like take without taking you out of it. Like it sh- that shouldn't. I don't think like because it's, it's just naturally humorous from the situation as it's unfolding. Yep. Yep. Um, so Garrett, I mean, the generals are just like, this guy is nuts. Uh, I'm over it. And Garrett's like, hey, how about a demonstration? And Quinn's like, yes, that would be great. Let's demonstrate. So Garrett puts his hand through one of the general's chest and kills yeah, him. He, and he wh- grabs his intestines that- out of his gut. It's insane. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And he's like... Oh, he's like, you're going to give me everything that we want, <laughs> all of our demands. And Ward is just like, dude, what the fuck? He's so repulsed, which it's like, okay, if Ward is repulsed, like something's going on. This is um, the beginning it, of the end of of Ward because everything he's built half his life on is built around this guy knows what's up. I follow this guy everywhere. And now he's like, oh, crap. He's if If he had any plan before, it's gone because he's nuts. He's yep. full-fledged <laughs> nuts. Nuts. So nuts. So Quinn is like grabbing the gravitonium, getting ready to get the fuck out. He's like, I'm done. This is not going well. And Ward goes up to Raina. She's like, what the fuck did you say to him? Because clearly whatever she said to him did not help. It just made him crazier. And she starts telling him um, that the key to their secret involves Sky, And so maybe he should go get her. And he's like, dude, Sky hates me. She thinks I'm a monster. And she's like, are you a monster? Or is that just what Garrett made you to be? And she's just manipulating him 
so hard. Yeah, man. What? What? Like? What? Like? <laughs> dig? Dig? Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Did Garrett already ask him uh, what he wanted? Yeah. Yeah, and like it clearly yeah. without saying it, Garrett and the audience knew that's what yeah. he was talking about. What? 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 what yeah, like, he wants absolutely. And now Reina is like absolutely touching on that to such a point where it's like he he knows that it, she's the only like thing that he has any like attachment to now that Garrett's ruined like, yeah. really yeah so and it's and it's crazy because Raina refers back to that story that she told him about Sky's parents being monsters and she's like hey why don't you go find her you never know when she finds out once the evolution begins maybe you two could be monsters together <laughs> and she starts walking away and Ward is just standing there like dumbfounded like oh okay like hey maybe maybe I can use that manipulation as a basis for the for my actions for a yeah. while since I have yeah, no yeah. internal motivation. <laughs> right? He has just no compass anymore except just to be nuts. I don't know. Or just, I don't know. Not as nuts as Garrett, but he's still nuts. Um, so meanwhile, Sky and May infiltrate the what I'm calling the I Spy office. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the white dude that was giving the tour at the very beginning of the episode issues a default directive. Um, and Sky is like, oh, no, did you issue default directive? And he's like, yes, I did. Why? And she's like, oh, thanks. Um and meanwhile, soldiers are starting to bash in the Humvee windows that Tripp and Coulson are in. And uh, we find out that default directive is defend Garrett at all costs. So the soldiers leave Tripp and Coulson and lead them straight to Garrett. <laughs> so thank you, white dude in the I Spy office. Um, so Sky grabs his phone and she calls Garrett. And Garrett is like, in, he's, he's, with, uh, he's with Raina, right? He's with Raina and Ward at that point. Or is he, who else is he with? Or is it with Quinn? I don't know. He's with Ward and someone else. I can't remember right now. Um, and Garrett answers the phone and he's like super creepy. He's like, oh, you sound so different on the phone. You sound huskier. And he, oh, he's just like, no wonder Ward is turning, you know, just this creep with Sky, which he just gets worse and worse through the rest of the episode. Um, but he orders Ward to go get Sky because Raina told Garrett about Sky's DNA and about her parents. And so she's, uh, he knows that she's a part of the puzzle um, and they need her. Um, meanwhile, back at the bottom, the bottom of the ocean, um, they made this plan and Fitz clearly made this plan knowing that he wasn't going to be the one to survive. Um, there's only enough oxygen to give Gemma or one person, whether it's Gemma or whether it's Fitz, uh, enough oxygen to get to the surface. And he's like, you're the better swimmer. You'll, you know, this is what I want. I can't. I can't bear to live without you. And Simmons is like, no, you're my best friend in the world. Like, I can't bear to live without you. And he's like, well, you're more than that to me. And he finally tells her how he feels. And it's just this horrible, awful, sad moment. It's so hard to watch. Gemma just starts sobbing and kissing Fitz all over his face and is just like, no, I can't do this without you. And Fitz is just insisting that she take the oxygen tank and she refuses and she's crying and um, they're hugging and Fitz pushes the button on the defibrillator to set off the reaction to blow the window and Gemma screams and then the scene changes to the outside of the pod and she's swimming to the surface with Fitz. And 
they make it to the surface and all of a sudden as an audience member you're like well now what the fuck are they gonna do like they're just gonna sit there and float <laughs> like Fitz is clearly unconscious Gemma is like barely treading water yeah and, and there's like yeah there's one harrowing shot that's like a pretty a pretty like wide shot that looks like very very yeah. cinematic and was pretty good yeah and then this helicopter shows up and an arm reaches down and it's Nick Fury and he grabs Gemma's hand holy shit <laughs> And and it comes up later, and I'll mention it when it comes up later. But my my first thought is, oh my god, it's Nick Fury. My second thought is, and Samuel Jackson wore his own wardrobe to set that day. Yep, because he looks, he's wearing a, a Kengel hat. He's wearing like he just looks, he looks like Samuel Jackson in everything I've ever seen him. Where he gets to dress himself, he doesn't look like Nick Fury other than the eye patch, and not it's amazing. He's not even wearing eye patch. He's wearing sunglasses. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so he's, so he, I assume he's wearing an eye patch because he's Nick Fury, but you're right. He's just got yeah, the sunglasses yeah. on. We don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yeah, I, but it's so funny, too, because I completely forgot that he showed up in this episode. Oh, me and too, so my sure. mind was blown. I was like, oh, my God. My mind was blown a second time. It was great. <laughs> I knew someone was getting him, but I, 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 I wasn't sure. I thought, if someone, I thought it might be unrevealed. And yeah, then, and I then, couldn't remember. And then who it was would have been who is in the end of the episode without without yeah, without, yeah, yeah. without spoiling anything. Some something <laughs> else happens at the end of the episode. But uh, yeah, okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I totally forgot about this, and I was so excited that he showed up, and I was like, yes, he saves the day. Um. So anyway, Simmons wakes up in a decompression chamber because they were just at the bottom of the ocean, and now they're in a plane. So uh, that gives you the bends, and you need to be decompressed. So anyway. Um, Fury's like, whoa, calm down. You're fine. And he tells her that Fitz is alive, but um, his brain was without oxygen for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and they said he so barely that's... has a heartbeat. He had a whole med yeah. team with, with him because all she needed was yeah. the decompression. That She was in good shape. Yeah, and Fitz and she, needs a lot more. So Fitz had a broken arm and took care of her while she was knocked out. And then she swam up pretty quick. So like you said, all she all she's got was the bins, but he had, he, he is like... Not doing not, good. Not great. Because the whole time she was swimming up with him, he was unconscious and breathing in water. And Yeah, so bad. Um, so Fury explains that he found them because of the um, janky transponder that Fitz made out of the AED. Um, and he was actually – he wasn't looking for them specifically. He was looking for Coulson. Um, and so he's like, "You do you happen to know where I might find him? And Gemma's like, actually, I do, because they put the, the dwarf on the bus. And so they're going to lead them to Coulson. So Fury's oh, coming to and rescue. And she calls out Fury on, like, we were told you were dead. He's like, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that spreads around. <laughs> he, it's such a great Samuel Jackson moment. But it was like, like yeah, yeah. Keep that going. I, I, I tell all your friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> so good samuel l jackson is excellent in this he really episode. is I, I, oh, there's so many like, other good like moments one later step on. away from being like yes like, like when she said i heard you were dead I know. He was like, all right <laughs> it worked <laughs> <laughs> um so back at cybertech sky has a bomb rigged up a bomb quote rigged up to the cybertech dude and she's like all right tell me about the incentives program and then ward shows up and she's he's like she's not gonna kill you she had a chance to kill me and she didn't kill me she hates and me like, he says. and she hates me yeah and sky's like you know fitz is the best of us because he still wanted to give you a chance and um he's like oh i know you think i'm evil blah blah she's like no 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 Garrett's evil. You're just weak. And he's like, yeah, um, thanks to you, you woke something up inside me and it made me weak. And he's like, 
says this line, maybe I'll just take what I want and wake something up inside you, which is so gross and rapey. Oh, I was so disgusted. I was like, okay, any like compassion that I felt for Ward in the previous episode and earlier in this episode was completely gone in that moment because I was just like, you are disgusting. Leave oh, her no. alone. <laughs> like it was super gross. Like, 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 like palpably gross. Like without a doubt. Like, and then and then it's and then and then it was bookended by this great moment um bookended isn't the word i wanted but it's capped by this great moment because guy's like well someone else is here and the way she phrases Um, it was that like she says like she has the one weapon that can take him down or whatever and he's like yeah he's like what oh yeah what's that and he's like well you slept with her and she's really mad at you. <laughs> I know. It was awesome. And then May shows up. Oh, and May is so mad. And she just like lays into him. Um, and it's the, great. So they start. Oh, that fighting. was like like the way she came on screen was an awesome action moment. Like she flew across the screen with that punch. Like <laughs> Oh, it was so really- good. It was just so satisfying after him being super creepy and gross and just he's you know you just are afraid for sky in that moment because you're like this guy's a monster like a monster and she's alone with him and then she's like no i'm not alone (laughs) it's great on a lot of levels and because we're afraid uh, as the audience you know but we don't know if in in that split second if sky is being uh like putting on a brave front and showing bravado or she's actually you know not scared and the fact that she really wasn't scared because she wasn't alone if she was by herself she probably wouldn't she wouldn't have been terrified she is a competent character and person in the situation i think she would have been scared just like she was when she was alone with him uh episodes before before, when when he killed eric koenig but uh but she was like i think assured because you know, yeah, because who wouldn't trust may but it's just like that makes it that much better because he's going crazy he's always manipulating people and stuff so on some level he's definitely trying to scare her but he's also just creepy and crazy and entitled and like gross and raised by a gross crazy narcissist who's even crazier now you know like so there's all sorts of things stacking against him but but he says this awful awful thing and it's like he has no power over her in that moment and then she takes him down or he's taken down and it's like I don't know. It's just it's a great it's a great moment because it cuts down and undercuts of like the it, it it doesn't I don't know doesn't undermine the grossness but it but it like slaps him in the face after he's gross and then like, and literally punches him in the face. It's it's awesome. And and there's this whole you know the whole thing about him like trying to wake something up in Sky and it's like well you already tried to you know you like you the woman that you actually slept with <laughs> um, is here and she's. Pissed. Yeah. You <laughs> like, woke up a punch to the face. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what woke up. <laughs> oh man. All right. So uh Colson finds Garrett in Cybertech and he uh is not aware that Garrett is newly strengthened. So he gets punched across the room and he's like, Oh, that's new. <laughs> and then he looks up and Fury's standing there and he's like, Sir. What 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 are you doing here? And he's like super surprised, and it's really cute. And Fury's like, oh, I thought you know something was going on that needed my attention. And so he gives Coulson this gun, and so Coulson takes down yeah, all he the, gives him the this cartoonishly large gun with a like a visible like battery 
like LED yeah, light. Yeah. It looks like when it, when it runs out of charge, it's a slight spoiler for a few seconds in the future, but it runs out of charge after a few shots. And it's like a half that charge had to be like like the 12 inch LED, like the giant light up display right? telling you how many <laughs> shots you had. But, but, that, but that's the immediate callback to when I just, when he appeared and I'm like, that just looks like Samuel L. Jackson. It doesn't even look like, it barely looked like Nick Fury. But he even mentions, because he tells Coulson, I look like I'm under a bridge, like I live under a bridge, he says, which I thought was so funny. It was so good. So, so good. No, they have this weird, like, like, like that it manages this, again, might take some people out of it, but it manages, like, it's just a long enough conversation where around the corner that people are trying to kill them who like, why haven't they just taken a step, a few steps to the left and shot around the corner? (laughs) Like, like it goes on a little bit longer than it should, but at the same time, yeah, like bullets are flying (laughs) off these like metal canisters and they're just like chilling back there, chatting it up. Like, Hey, what are you doing here? Oh, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah. Catch it, catch it up. It's like, like people told me you were dead, but I knew you were. It's like, I knew you'd know. (laughs) 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 Hey, we're going to have to talk about how you uh, you brought me back from the dead later. He's like, oh, I know. I deserve that. It's it's these old friends catching up in that split second. And it's really solid. Like it's. It's great. It's a good moment. It is. It's great. And like you said, it's one uh, before, like it's the first of many good moments with Samuel L. Jackson. Like he's just dynamite this episode. It's they make they make use of their rare allotment of samuel L. jackson on this show like in this episode they milk it they do um so yeah colson has this badass gun and he just like shoots down all these cybertech soldiers and then he's like oh yeah this is great and then fury just comes out with a regular handgun and shoots garrett a, like what six times in the chest that frustrated like- me so much that i'm like come on okay fury should have known about the deathlock thing may i mean i guess maybe he didn't because I don't know. It makes sense. He, he wouldn't be privy to like Hydra or centipede stuff or whatever, you know? So, but. Yeah. But if Coulson was investigating it, like he could have known at some, you know what I mean? Like, And he just got thrown across the room. He knows something's yeah. up. So you shoot all the other guys with the magic gun first and then leave, <laughs> and then leave uh, you know, Fury and yourself with a few handguns to take on the guy who just threw you across the room. Like, come right? on, man. You shoot Garrett first. And I'm like, like that was a... Pl- you got to take out the, the smaller guys before you take out the boss. No, he was going right? video this game is- rules <laughs> instead of real life yeah. military strategy, I, I would think. But it's also a show. So like, while I'm thinking this, I'm like my uh, my willing suspension of disbelief is is saying two things. Like one, it doesn't matter. Everything that happens yeah. in everything you watch is just plot convenience and you know it. <laughs> and yep. even beyond that, like, would I care half as much if I wasn't watching this like with a magnifying glass? Right. I, I think, and I just think it's because of how over the top when Coulson flew across the room was because they had him, he was on a wire well, and, and he, it was like old school, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer style. Yeah. Like, and he made a point of being like, oh, that's new. Well, like, <laughs> I like, he flew so far and such a huge arc and like, and like descent. Like, I was like, oh God, like, that would like I don't care if you got brought back from the dead. That would mess you up. Like, like you'd have like you'd have yeah. ribs and like you'd dislocate. Oh, that reminds stuff. me. Like, that mess him up. When, yeah, when Fury showed up, he was like, "Look, I went 
out of my way to make sure I kept you alive and I'm here to like, you know, finish up on that investment. <laughs> like I'm not trying to like let you die again, which was like another, I don't know. A good line. That, that yeah. started that whole yeah, it was a good line, but it just started that whole conversation of, yeah, we need to have a, a conversation about that, sir. <laughs> no, it's just like, I think it's because he's clearly so powerful. And like you said, Coulson notes it. So it's just like, come on, yeah. man, where was he? What was he Why? hiding behind that you had to shoot those other dudes, the nameless dudes first? <laughs> like, 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 like I said, video game no, rules. No, and, and, and it doesn't actually <laughs> bug me, but just in the moment, like while it was happening, I was like, he's not going to shoot care with that thing. I'm just, I, I can't remember yeah. it, but I know it. And like, like come on, man. <laughs> yeah well and of course like garrett garrett gets shot in the chat in the chest what six seven right. times and he doesn't die he just like stands back up and he's like oh right, and fury acts as if he was just hiding behind that pillar with like his fingers behind his ears before colson showed up because he's like whoa <laughs> even though you just threw colson across the room and you know had the cyborg upgrade and all that like you'd think fury had yeah. some idea what's going on but the timeline's a little rough with fury already being there like how fast is his jet <laughs> right? like, he's just wherever he where, needs. where are his resources <laughs> he needs to be, he's just wherever he needs to be <laughs> well because they went from because they were flying from cuba to new mexico so they were probably like in the caribbean somewhere right yeah i mean or the like, gulf, over the gulf or something gulf of mexico like, yeah and so that's yeah that is a pretty fast plane he's, go he's going <laughs> fast man people get like Whatever he he's he's fury he's everywhere um, as he says later in this episode. Um, but anyway, so uh, Garrett and and Fury have words and Garrett starts spouting out craziness and Fury's like, "You didn't tell me he was this crazy." <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good <laughs> in true Samuel L. Jackson form. So good. yeah, this is some of this is like three great act th three great actors doing a great job in this in, it, it in really this is scene. like this is amazing it's so good um meanwhile may and ward are having a particularly vicious fight with like saws and like pipes oh yeah man when she brought out the the buzzsaw i was so excited like i knew Holy i knew he shit. was gonna make it but i was just like yes <laughs> like yeah, she was going all she was like ready to chop off some limbs like she was mad and oh my god this whole time ward's trash talk to me is just so awful because he like pins her down on a table and he's like oh just like the old days and she's like you are never on top and he's just being such a dick he's just like oh the ice queen has feelings like i thought that we didn't i thought we didn't have feelings for each other whatever i forget oh he's so gross he said i thought we were no strings attached he says as he's trying to like strangle her with the with, with the with a power cord or something yeah uh, and then there's this moment of sweet vindication as she nails his foot to the ground with a nail gun and then she beats the shit out of him. She punches him in the throat and he's just like, <laughs> like can't even speak anymore. It's like, good, finally shut him up. And meanwhile, Sky is with the white dude still finding out about the incentives program and they're opening doors in this long hallway. She opens a door and this dude is, I'm assuming it's his wife and she's like, oh honey. And they like hug and embrace. And then she finds Ace, which brings to mind what the fuck is this incentives program they just like lock up people that you yeah. love and tell you you have to work <laughs> or they're gonna yeah the in quote-unquote incentive is that they've held your family hostage yeah that's fucking crazy um it, and that's what it said at the beginning like 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 it felt like the way it's presented is like oh it's orientation at this little startup or whatever it's like oh no you're a drum plane operating a man uh but yeah and your and your wife or child is locked up in a room and they might kill them 
Yeah, the incentives program, like the way he says it, it sounds like it's like a crazy signing bonus. He's like, yeah, people have a hard time saying no to that. It's like, like, like that would be a lot easier to believe if he was the head of of Centipede or Hydra or something. Like, why is this dude who's also got his his whose wife is kidnapped? He's like, oh, your loved one's kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> Mine too. Winkety wink. Like, it's a little bit. I weird. Know. It makes that moment a little bit weird. <laughs> On greater analysis, it, does. it still works for the sh- episode. Like, like instead, you're like, "Oh, right," but I feel like that's a little. I, I, that feels a little Joss Whedon. <laughs> yeah, it was a little too lighthearted. Um, and it was funny because I couldn't remember what this was. Like at the be- the beginning of the episode, I was like, "What is this?" I, I, programs. I, I know. It's I did remember. And then when I saw this, I was like, "I was like, oh my god, that is so disturbing. How could they just make light of that? Like, what the well, fuck?" I, I do. Rem- I did remember it, and that's why I was like. Like, why is he so blasé about it? Because I couldn't remember for sure if he was in on it, or if like if if yeah. that dude was a part oh, of it. Is. Yeah, his wife was. <laughs> that was the only reason he was doing it. Yeah. So it's like it's Ugh. super gross. But that is the moment because she asks, uh, "What they're or he asks what they're doing after they free his wife right before they find Ace." That is the moment that I had to mention. Because Scott yeah. said, "I'm gonna find our Ace in the hole." <laughs> and, and, and yes. I, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Ace in solitary confinement. Ace in the hole is too on That's the so nose. Is too on the nose. <laughs> well, and it's referring back to that weird scene where they're doing all that spy babble because he talks about, oh, we got to get the ace in the hole. Like, yeah, but they have this, so code this was... name for his imprisoned child. That's really just his name. It's it's, it's terrible. Super gross. <laughs> and the bomb was his Hulk toy from the first, from yep. the, from the pilot. <laughs> and the guy is just like, Oh, are you serious? When he sees the toy getting, uh, it's out. another moment. that's like a little bit weird where she's just like, Oh, shucks. Where it's like, you'd think, I, I guess he's okay. Cause he's reunited with his wife, like whatever. And his nightmare yeah. is hopefully over, but overall it's just the emotional like spectrum. This dude's on like, like I know. I'm guessing he's, self-medicating to get through this <laughs> that's my definitely gonna need he's gonna need some therapy after this for sure well i'm just assuming that during this i mean like during this process working for uh for them for cybertech but he's been like doing something like because they've had his family hostage and and now this like, is cool how do they find people to like kidnap to work for cybertech do they just like randomly pick people like that's crazy well, and, yeah, well, did they like have job? Did they look at job applications and be like, "Oh, this is the person we want"? Uh, so let's go kidnap their family so kidnap their to wife? make sure they work for us. That's got to be cheaper. Shit. Like, what, what? What resources do they have? This is so like, crazy. Prisons aren't cheap. Well, they just have this random building in Palo Alto or New Mexico or wherever they're at, where they just have like dorms where these people live. Like, oh, it's so gross and crazy. It's really weird. It's super, super weird. But yeah, I had to mention the ace in the hole because, like, I why, know why, it's so why bad. did they do that? There was no reason to do that. And like it's we talked so about before, we'll talk about it again coming up uh, in our discussion portion about things that they've known for how long they've known them. But like, did yeah. they name him Ace? Because we talked about before in the comic connections section how Mike Peterson is is a character who is at this point just a young adult. Uh, you know, it, I think. He should be like just around college or out of college aged, uh, but he's just a friend of a character named Slapstick. The last time we saw him, he's still 
a young adult nerd wearing like a Captain America t-shirt in the comics. He is unwed, no child. Uh, So, But in here, he has a kid named Ace. (laughs) A son named Ace who happens to be the Ace in the the hole. Like when they plotted out this season, they're like, what are we going to name his kid? Ace in the hole. I don't want to think of of that cheesy moment in the writer's room where someone was patting themselves on the back for that line. Or then again, with how self-aware they are, where there's like, this is something stupid Coulson would think of when they're coming up with code words for stuff. So I absolutely believe that they came up with his name for this pun <laughs> and they've just been waiting all season to use it and it's so it's, bad. It, it hurts a little bit it does. but i still love the show even though they hurt me yeah. <laughs> they're on the nose yep. so anyway sky asks ace to tell her something that only his dad would know because she has to prove that she has him so she's essentially going to type it into his little i spy thing so that mike knows ace is safe um, and we go back to fury garrett and colson and fury is so bothered at how crazy garrett is and Garrett's like, oh, you know, you told us that we had to, um, that he gets wrong. Fury's like, no, you got, you got the phrase wrong. I said, be a part of something bigger. <laughs> yeah, I find after all these years, you know, I finally uh, have achieved, you know, like whatever. He gives us like monologue, yeah. but he says, you know, you you asked me if I wanted to be something bigger. He's like, no, I finally am. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, yeah, he says, no, I asked you if you want to be a part of something bigger. <laughs> now he's like, did you really like? Is this whole thing? <laughs> Because you misheard what I said years ago, like, like, and and he and he has this like little like vaudeville thing with Coulson where he looks back at him. He's like, "You got it right. Yeah, it was clear." He's like, "Oh, 100 percent clear." He's like, "I thought so." Like, like, like again, where like Samuel Jackson, both his dress and his demeanor are as if he is not in the situation he's in. No. Like he is just he he's chatting with old friends, and like one of them got hot in an argument. He's not a cyborg who's about to kill them. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It is. I feel like it's perfect. I'm so glad that Brian Hitch, when he drew the Ultimates, you know, like almost like 15 years ago or something, uh, that he chose to make Nick Fury, who had always been a guy who could be played by David Hasselhoff, yeah. uh, you know, uh, to that to that point. But he was like, I'm just going to make him Samuel Jackson because I imagine all these lines sounding cooler out of Samuel yeah. Jackson. And, and they he are. he was right, 100% <laughs> right. I feel like I don't, like we've talked about before in, in our episode that is, 30% about how there's no such thing as the right person for the for for one like one right person for a role. And I I, I stand by that, but he is one of the best people who could play uh, Nick Fury ever. Like I'm so glad that we actually got that to happen. I never thought that would happen in a million years because some comic artist decided to draw him just like Samuel Jackson. But thank goodness he did. Well, you know Samuel Jackson saw that and was like, Yeah, I'll do this. Like <laughs> He's like that looks like me. <laughs> no, he was super in. He was super into it. And I worked on a comic that uh, for, for, I, I did the colors for uh, for Jumper, uh, which has uh, Hayden Christensen as the lead mm-hmm. and Samuel Jackson as kind of the villain. And he was one of the two characters from the movie whose likeness was in it. And he mentioned it like because the guy who drew it, Brian Hurt, drew him kind of cartoonish. And he said because because of his style. And he said like, Hey, could you draw me more like? Brian Hitch draws me in the Ultimates, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I don't really draw like photorealistic. I kind of draw cartoony." He's like, "Oh, you draw everybody cartoony?" He's like, "Well, then this is great." Yeah, that's so funny. I love it. And he, and he was super. He was super enthusiastic, and like, and for years before he was even in like in episode one, he was he would go to 
Comic-Con right after he got really big. Cause I think he went just as a fan before he became a big actor. And then while he was really big, he started going every year, but wearing a stormtrooper mask <laughs> to blend in. And now all these other people do it. Like and it's, it's become like a tradition. Like I know um, John Boyega yeah. did it and took a bunch of pictures. And then uh, last year, I think it was last year, maybe the year before that, uh, Lupita Nyong'o did it and dressed as the Pink Power Ranger, and she was in full costume and went around all day. And made a video; it's awesome. But like, it's be- yeah, it's become like a tradition now. But I think it's cool. It was cooler because he did it before there was social media and before like not to try out Comic Con, but because he was like he was just, just a big yeah. fan, and he was like, I want to, I want to keep going. I don't want to not be able to go because I need an entourage. Aww. Like. I love and, that. No, it's awesome. And like, so this is a dream come true for for him, I think, because he he was a kid who Samuel Jackson is the coolest dude in the world. He was a cheerleader in high school. <laughs> he loved comic books. Like, he is just like this big theater nerd who like has become one of the coolest. Like, and and accepted as like toughest people because what? Because of movies and stuff. Yeah, like, he's a like, badass he's motherfucker. Like, and like, yeah, it's not. <laughs> Like a lot of people in the public eye have can't come from tough stuff. Like, and I, like, I don't know everything about his history, but I've seen pictures of him in his high school cheerleader outfit. <laughs> and I'm just like, like if they were somehow in the same, if they both grew up in Brooklyn at the same time, Jack Kirby would have beaten him up. Yeah. You know? and it's like, and yet it's like, Here we are in my mind and on everyone I know's mind, like, the toughest dude in Hollywood or whatever, you know, like, Oh man, it's so It's, it's awesome. I'm so, I love him so much and I'm so, uh, I feel like we're blessed. We <laughs> are. blessed to have Samuel Jackson and Dev Garrett while we have him. Yeah, I know. I'm so glad we got Bill Paxton while he was still alive because it was definitely a treat, but it's not over yet because <laughs> he's no. still here. He's still alive. Um, So Garrett, is telling Mike uh, that he needs to kill um, Fury and Coulson uh, with his arm cannon. And um, Sky types into Mike's eye, what are we? A team, which we remember from the first episode that that's something that him and Ace say to each other, or he says to Ace or whatever. Um, And Mike instantly turns his guns on Garrett and shoots him with his arm rocket, like instant, like he just knows. Like, And J. August Richards does some great face acting right there. Like without any words, he looks like he's going to tear up. He looks, yeah, he, he looks, he looks like touched and angry and emotional like he goes through so many emotions he's like yes it's over <laughs> like yeah and just like so mad at garrett oh. but also like like free and sad and touched like it's it is great it's so like it's good. so brief it's, it's so brief it's like over like five six seconds he makes like a few facial expressions and he just like goes through the gamut it's really great acting from him it really is and then uh Garrett's like, oh no. And Mike runs over and he stomps his head in, <laughs> which that's the end of Garrett. Uh, well, 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 I know after he shoots him, right before he stomps his head in, Garrett's like, stop, you you, you, you have to follow my orders. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You can't do this. And he's like, he like, it says something to indicate that he's free at this point. Mm-hmm. And then Colson is like, I, like, He's free to do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, as far as I as far as I can tell, Mr. Peterson is free to do whatever he wants. And he and Fury basically like pretend to look the other way like, yeah. without physically looking the other way. And he he face stomps him. Yeah. With his mechanical leg, <laughs> cybertech leg. Ooh. It, oh. Like you said, it's harsh, but but at the same time. But at the same time, how many kids did he kidnap? How many people did he have shoot their dogs? 
Like he is not a, not a good man. No, he deserves all of this and more. So now they round everyone up at CyberTech, including Ward, who's limping because his foot was nailed into the floor. <laughs> um, and Coulson gets a little dark. He starts talking about how Ward's torture will not just be physical; it will be mental. And May- <laughs> well, he starts by saying it won't it won't be physical; it'll just yeah, just yeah, yeah. be mental. And May is like, and some physically is like, and some of that. <laughs> like, that was that was a good moment. It was really like good. That. And then he asks him, "You're going to spend the?" He's like, "You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to figure out who you are with." out Garrett this like psychopath that's now dead and it's just and Ward's face is just like oh fuck like yeah he's like you bet on the wrong horse like you have no and you have no identity because you were a sick fan yep absolutely um we go to the scene where Mike and Sky are talking which um brings us back to like the pilot like they were you know they were it was the two of them at the very beginning. And she's like, why don't you want to see Ace? And Mike's like, I don't want him to see me like this. And, and, and Mike is watching Ace run into the arms of a woman. I forget. Was that I think Mike's sister? I think it's his sister. Yeah. I th- they they mention he has an aunt. Ace has an aunt, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, Sky's like, you know, Coulson wants to bring you in. And he's like, no, you guys can hijack my feed and you can figure out where I am at all times. He's like, I need to go make amends for what I've done. And he walks off into the sunset. <laughs> well, and she's, and she, when she's and she she tries to make him seem make it seem like he's already absolved yeah. himself like by 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 getting rid of Garrett and and just the excuse excuse what he's done like she says everything you did you did for Ace and he says and everything I'm going to do I'm doing for yeah. him. Like, like, like like which is just it's it's like he's like I don't need an excuse. He's like I'm going to make right by my son and by and by what I did and like mm-hmm. like he is he's just like an excellent hero. He like, is. Oh, I love him so much. Uh, and then this next scene bothers me a lot, <laughs> but somehow Garrett is still alive and he pulls himself. No. And then he has a bloodied face and I get they don't have all the yeah. destroyed face makeup in the world or whatever. It's but not his- the haunting of Hill House. But at the same time, like I had to think about it in my head. I'm like, so what the, the all the centipede serum plus the GH 23 or whatever, like is like healing him like because i guess his face stopped in too yeah and his face looks fine it's bloody but he should be brains he should be brains and goo not to be too gross (laughs) (laughs) like i know we're not on hbo we're not gonna see it but like it should be implied but no no he was just like got up and he he looked he looked like he'd been like his his face through a windshield yeah messed up but he did not look face stomped like he not by a guy with robot feet no nope. <laughs> you know like, like maybe by a kid with like cleats and that's it yep so he pulls himself <laughs> up onto the cyber tech like uh, gurney thing that gives soldiers new limbs so he gets new legs and like a chest plate which i was confused about because i didn't think he was missing legs but suddenly he has well, I, metal legs I, I, <laughs> but <laughs> I, th- I think maybe the explosion messed up his legs uh, okay i was like what is I'm happening guessing because he never because he never stood up when he was like giving that is true Mike the spiel like he gotta stop like, I, I, so i, I think I, I think he may have like blown his legs messed off him up. Okay. So, he, so he had to pull himself up but yeah they make him like basically more and more into what like a death lock looks like in the comics yeah. what he looks like i'll post more i posted uh shoulder pads uh <laughs> uh, uh <laughs> garrett but uh when i when we post this episode later on I will add pictures of what he looks like yes. 
robot. The last time we've seen him, because he looks more like that. I was thinking that that was going to be like a callback to that, because I was like, what the hell is the point of this scene? <laughs> so, yeah, he pulls himself up and he's standing up and he's like, ah, oh, I am alive. And then he's, you know, being a, doing the there's a little doing the yeah, villain thing. Yeah. And, and then uh, and then he explodes. He gets vaporized and we pan back and Coulson is holding the uh, German Tesseract tech from episode two. And he's like, hey, guys, I found it. <laughs> yeah, I think they said it's like a particle beam when they finally do say what it is or something. It is. Okay. Before. Yeah. I, I think I it's something like that. But it, 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 it is Tesseract derived yeah. hydrotech or whatever in, in it, that they got from that, that episode. And it's uh, it, he just atomizes it. <laughs> Yeah, so Garrett's officially gone now. Uh, for how many times is that he's almost died? One. This is the third time he's died. So hopefully he's third time's the charm. So back on the bus, Coulson is yelling at Fury, and he's like, "It was irresponsible." Blah blah. blah. And Fury kind of deserves it, so he's just sitting there taking it. And he's like, "Look, this program was was you know meant to be a, like in in case of emergency break glass type of thing it was for the fall of an avenger and fury goes exactly and colson just goes silent and it's really sweet because fury considers him an avenger and it's just this really sweet moment where colson's just so taken aback by this compliment and this like like realizing how fury feels about him and fury goes on this speech and he's like look shield was built on one thing and may says protection he's like yeah it's a broad you know, directive, but it, it was built on protection and the idea that everyone is worth saving. And Coulson embodies that, which is so true. And I totally got teary eyed watching this because everything that he said about Coulson is true. And Coulson is just such a good person and he deserves the world. And I love him so much. <laughs> and um, Fury takes out this little box and he's like, this is for you. Um, and he makes Coulson, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he asks him to rebuild it the right way. And the little box uh, has everything that he will need to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. It is so little. It's really little. <laughs> it is, it is. It's like a ring box, like super small. Um, and then Fury goes to leave and he's like, where will you go? And he's like, um, you know where I'll be, nowhere and everywhere. And he like pulls his glasses down so we see his crazy eye and then he walks away to be Fury. <laughs> but yeah, just super sweet moment. And then um, the cargo hold door comes down and Simmons is standing at the bottom and she's reunited with everyone and Sky is so happy and it's so sweet to see their friendship like getting deeper and deeper and um, she says that Fitz is alive, which her facial expression shows that that's not necessarily a good thing, which fuck. Um, and then, oh my God, uh, Eric Koenig shows up. Oh no, wait, it's his twin brother or one of his brothers, Billy Koenig. <laughs> And they are at this new base called the Playground, which is another secret base of Furies that they found in the little tiny box. So they're going to begin again with a new Koenig brother. <laughs> um, the next scene is Raina walking through this dark alley and she goes into this room and there's a figure sitting in this chair with his back to the camera. And she um, takes a photo and places it on the side table and a bloody hand reaches out to take this photo. She's like, I know you thought you'd never see me again, but I found your daughter and it's a photo of Sky. So this is her father with this bloody hand in this dark alley. What the fuck? And Raina knows him. Um, the next scene, Coulson's in bed and he is not sleeping. He gets up to wander around and he goes down to like an area where it's clearly like storage. Um, and we see Garrett's drawings from earlier. Um, 
and Coulson picks up a, a pocket knife and he goes up to this blank wall and he starts etching the same symbols onto the wall. And by the end of the scene, the entire wall is covered in these alien drawings. And that's the finale. <laughs> so there's one comic connection that was in the first part, sort of, and was actually from the first episode as well that I had missed uh, because it's such a weird like deviation from mm-hmm. it. But the the dwarf and the dwarf the dwarfs the the robots. Uh-huh. Uh, so the reason why they're robots is because uh, there were dwarves that were shield. Uh, I guess I don't know operatives. Wait, they were shield. actual dwarfs, like yes, people. They were well, no, okay. <laughs> they were like they were two feet tall, genetically engineered creatures. Oh lord, most of them were like little white hoods over their faces with red eyes and they like wore like loincloths and like walked around they look like 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 demented like ku klux klan smurfs oh my god i'll post pictures of them they're disturbing and they came from shield experimented like before they experiment with the robot stuff that ends up becoming what what uh garrett is in the comics in this electra series where garrett's introduced as well uh they experimented on people trying to create super soldiers and at one point they just tried to genetically engineer people and instead of getting super powered humans what they got were these little blue dwarf creatures that they created they have like vestigial wings and all sorts of weirdness and all of them but one an aberration named chuck they have nothing but like technical skill and like subservience they're (gasps) genetically engineered slaves no it's messed up so now they're just cute forensic robots that Fitz made up. Good. I'm glad they changed uh, that. <laughs> me too. Well, and Chuck like sided with the hand, like which people will know from the Netflix stuff yeah. and whatnot, uh, because that has to do with Electra. And I, I mentioned both Gar- before and in this that both Garrett and these dwarves were introduced in the 1980s Electra series by by uh, Frank Miller and Bill Sinekevich, mm-hmm. which is like beautifully illustrated, some great weird stuff, but like elements are problematic at best. Frank Miller at this point is gone totally off the rocker, super like right wing. Like mm-hmm. he, the last time he tried to do a Batman thing that was like in continuity, they, they've given him now all star Batman or whatever. It's like, it's like, it's, like, it's the dark Knight. uh, returns universe like they've kind of given him free reign with an out of continuity batman right. there was something he wanted to do that i think he maybe wanted to do it in in continuity and they were going to do it out of continuity briefly and not have it impact the comics but they were it was going to be called holy terror batman it was be batman fights a bunch of muslim extremists oh my god and it was not going to be handled with <laughs> any not. nuance or care it was going to be extremely uh, islamophobic and racist and just ignorant it was not going to be good the guy and the guy was like a raging liberal until september 11th and then he kind of went like a, a switch what the fuck was flipped in his head yeah. and he just went into it became a lunatic at this point as far as i can tell and that's not to be smirch a man too much uh but like i feel like from what i can tell he's not in good health at this point in his life like he's at this point, he's just kind of a sad old man in my in my mind. And while he's still very successful in the field and was innovative for a long time and made some of the best Daredevil comics and some really good Batman comics back in the day, he's uh, he's kind of lost it at this point. And I don't really find, you know, his newer stuff, I don't find any of that uh, new Batman stuff any good. Yeah. Like the idea of Batman who had a relationship with Carrie Kelly, who, uh, who Batman ends up having a relationship with a Robin 
who he recruited when she was like 14 and he was like 65 years old. Then when she's an adult, yeah. they end up getting together. No, thank you. Yeah, that's gross. Weird on too many levels. Like, sure, age ain't nothing but a number, but when there's a 50-year-old age difference and, and there's a power you were dynamic. her surrogate father. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. But these are the kind of things that Frank Miller doesn't care about and uh, would call anyone who is suggesting that people might might have care and consideration and thought put into this sort of stuff and sensitivity uh, would be like censorship, you know, quote unquote. You know, it's not, not even sort of what that means. Uh, but any anywho, not to get too much off of a derail, that's our <laughs> only comics connection that's new that I have not mentioned yet uh, because we get a shout out specifically to, was it to Sleepy? Yeah. He's our best listener. <laughs> To one of the, yeah, to one, and, and, he, and he credited Gemma with that programming, making Sleepy the best uh, listener yeah. of his seven dwarf droids. Yep. So uh, that is the, yeah, that's the only thing that we haven't already mentioned because everything else is Cybertech and Deathlocks and John Garrett's and uh, the characters who have been previously introduced. So that's it. We can go straight into, should we just go right into spoiler discussion, well, you think, so we can speak freely or? Let, I want to talk real quick just about the season as a whole. Um, okay. So I feel like this finale summed up probably a lot of the problems that people had throughout the entire first season and also like a lot of the good stuff from the first season. <laughs> so I think we really enjoy the um the MCU characters coming into the show. So we got a lot of Maria Hill. We got Sitwell. We got Lady Sif. Um, and then we got Veronica Hand. Yeah. Uh, even though she's not in the MCU, she's from the comics. Yeah. And it felt like a nice connection with that. Yeah. And I mean, a Coulson is like the ultimate connection. But like to have. Um, we got Thunderbolt Ross. So we got yeah. uh, briefly. We, we got. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But to have, her. I think, Nick Fury be the ultimate like cameo <laughs> for the season finale is like pretty cool. And it was an excellent cameo because it was just Sammy J being awesome. And the dialogue was great, even though it was ridiculous. And there were like super cheesy moments throughout this this episode. But there were also super emotional deep moments, especially between Gemma and Fitz and um, between with Mike Peterson, uh, with Coulson, um, May and Ward, Ward and and Sky, just like lots of good stuff. And it's so one of the things that we talk about a lot, I think, is how this show comes full circle a lot. Um, and we'll get to talk about that more and more like in later seasons, but some of the thing, like everything throughout the entire season. So we got the, what is it? The particle thing that blew up Garrett. What did you call that? It was some sort of particle beam, I think is what, is what they said, but it, but it was, it was some sort of weapon that was, uh, derived from technology from Captain America. From, from first of yeah yeah so that comes back multiple times so it but it finally comes back again it, the the berserker staff comes back elements of the characters come back again and again and i would say even because i feel like the lorelei episodes feel a little bit weird and kind of out of place sometimes but even may's anger <laughs> with ward betraying them in those episodes um and her her phrase of I'll do what's necessary when she's talking to Lady Sif about, you know, being wronged or whatever, that that came full circle. And also Sky's relationships with Ace and Mike, everything came full circle again, which is like something this show does a really good job at. It's really good at like reusing old characters, 
bringing back elements from like earlier seasons and earlier episodes. And I feel like this season finale did a good job at at doing that. In a weird way, I feel like that's almost something that's, I don't know if it's from comics or what, but it reminds me of comic books yeah. because it's something that happens a lot, especially at this point where like, even when the superhero like renaissance really happened in the 60s, that happened in like 1963 or so with Batman and, and Fantastic Four and then all these other things like, uh, you know, uh, there, there, there's a kind of a resurgence of Batman po- popularity a little bit later than that. Yeah. But uh, they, they mark Fantastic Four as the uh, beginning of the Marvel Silver Age. And I think with, with DC, usually it's the uh, introduction of Barry Allen of the second mm-hmm. Flash. But even when that stuff happened and we get like Captain America's thought out of ice and and Iron Man is introduced and the Hulk and, and Spider-Man and S.H.I.E.L.D. and all these, all these characters, uh, that happened in the early 60s. So that was like 20 years after the uh, Marvel Universe characters were originally introduced during World War II. Characters right. like uh, Namor of a Submariner and the Human Torch, who was an android. <laughs> <laughs> Not a human. Kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> all, that's guys in the 40s. The, the human torch. Get this. He's not human. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep writing. All right, guys. <laughs> this is what happens when all of our all of our, uh, all of our artists and writers are sent to war and we have to hire teenagers to <laughs> take their place. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, tr- it's true. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, and Captain America and all these guys, like this is where they came from. And then like because because this is where so many of these creators like kind of had their, I don't know, uh, their lives happen as well. Like, like like their youth was during that time period. Like they, they still called back to it repeatedly because mm-hmm. the characters that became the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters were introduced in the early 60s who were introduced as World War II characters. They were the Howling yeah. Commandos. They were Nick Fury and his buddies, including Eric Koenig. <laughs> and, uh, but – yeah, no, I think it's it's interesting that well, and and not triplets. Uh, I guess one of his. Uh, I guess I guess his his grandpa could have been any one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the way he'd have a different last name easily. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I I, I feel like there, it, there's just something very comic booky about the the whole nature of the show, drawing from its past and and drawing from the past of the MCU, and like it's cool. And I don't know if it's super meta and intentional but it is something that like the guys who created the show in part i know i know that they're comic fans growing up and i can't help but wonder if it's intentional or if it just influenced the way they work because i think about other shows like that i really enjoy and they're really good at bringing it all together and and like oh i feel like oh they addressed everything everything came full circle like you you were saying Mm -hmm. Like so, some of the shows that I thought were like best thought out that are in this genre without being directly comic inspired, like that I've loved in recent years, like Fringe was one I really, really liked. And I feel like it everything comes full circle amazingly yeah. in that show. Like like it like in a on a level that I don't think can be has been replicated like since or done a whole lot before. Like just every element seems like it was plotted out like and not I don't know. I don't think that there's any any inherent like virtue to it but it almost reminds me of, like the ring theory stuff mm-hmm. you know in general uh i've i think in our circles we hear it applied a lot to star wars yeah. especially you know to the lucas films but i think that there's something to that it's not something that's, that's required in the, in the storytelling or or inherently good or makes it better but i do think there is something cool about that that feeling that you're not necessarily repeating something cyclically but that it like it does have have a 
an arc that returns you back to where you began, not necessarily completely, but, but thematically or emotionally. Right. And they're, they're really good at, they're really good at that with this, with the show. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we should go into spoiler section now because awesome. I think everything else that we talk about have spoilery implications for the next season. <laughs> all right. Spoiler section time. Um, all right. Let's talk about how much <laughs> showrunners know ahead of time for some of the reveals. Um, we know that the Ward reveal wasn't revealed to Brett Dalton until the Lorelai episodes. Right. Like just a few episodes before it actually happened, yeah. right? And so he was um, whatever like method acting, you know, source – uh, backstory thing that he was using for his inspiration probably was different. <laughs> I'm guessing he just thought he was like American James Bond. Yeah, before, but he didn't- it's weird because looking back at all the episodes, like there's parts of dialogue that are like I feel like the showrunners knew what was happening and they just didn't tell him yet. I think I really think that's what it is, and like I don't know. Oh, I'm definitely not going to spoil anything about it have you seen the good place i haven't you can spoil there it are, if you want <laughs> no, i'm I, I really don't want to okay. for anyone who's listening or for or for you like in, just in case you ever want to give it a shot just because it's worth it to watch and even if you know some of it like it's just worth it i think to come in fresh and i usually don't care about spoilers but there's there's an element to it that the actors weren't aware of in the first season except for the two leads except for ted danson and Kristen bell uh-huh. and and that the rest of the, the cast didn't know about until it happened, until this reveal happens. And it's like, it changes like the whole nature of the whole show after this, that, that point. Yeah. It's, it's very similar it, to it, this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's very, very, very similar to the Hydra reveal, I think. Uh, and I, th- I think that it, there's something cool about that, about knowing that the writers knew, but they wanted the, they wanted the characters to go about it, not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I get like, it's interesting that they didn't tell him because I do. I really feel like they knew ahead of time. They had to know the Hydra stuff. Yeah. They had to know a lot of it. It's interesting to me. Like it would almost be not better, but it'd be. It would make as much sense to tell Brett Dalton, but no one else. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of cool that they didn't tell him because, in a way, it's just like his cover was that good. Yeah, like, he could be saying stuff. That maybe he was even unaware had because because you got to think like there is stuff that we know now going back that dialogue like you said that feels like it's kind of knowing but there's no reason why any character would ever say like it, except for like a cheesy super cheesy like 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 austin powers-esque bad guy why else would they be like giving you any hints? yeah exactly <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, like i'm evil like, <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense like so i don't know no, I I agree. Um, no, it's super interesting. But like the stuff that's coming up that like culminates a lot in this episode with Raina and Sky. Uh-huh. How much did they know about that ahead of time? We've been asking a lot. Like, do they know she was an inhuman? Do they know she was going to be Daisy? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I really think they did. Like, did they know that Raina, like, you know, because she was introduced, I think, in episode five was the first time we see her. Like, yeah, we know, like, from that episode that she had this other purpose outside of Hydra. I'm pretty sure they did. I th- I really think they, I think they had a lot of this, like, I think they had the bare bones of it worked out. I really do. Yeah. 
And maybe some of our listeners, if you guys have read, you know, stuff, interviews or anything about this, um, when the when the season came out and you remember if you could email us or, you know, tweet at us or DM us or something, because um, that's how I found out about uh, Brett Dalton not knowing yes. <laughs> was one of our listeners emailed us. So, And I believe that uh, I've mentioned before that until I hear otherwise, I'm going under the belief that the whole reason Sky was a hacker was an inside joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was based on Angela <laughs> Jolie from Hackers originally. And uh, now, until, again, until I hear otherwise, I'm going under that belief. <laughs> I'm operating under this belief system because I do think after watching the season finale that a lot of this was planned from the very beginning. So, mm-hmm. And again, I was looking recently at a list of characters with hacking skills from Marvel Comics and uh, Daisy Johnson is not, not one of them because <laughs> she is not a hacker in the comics in the slightest ever. And I love I love it. Well, it's interesting. I think it's so great. It's interesting. She drops it. She does. It doesn't become like a huge part of her character. Probably, I think after like maybe season when she becomes an inhuman. Like, like, she uses it. When it comes up, yeah. but it just never comes up. She just quakes crap open instead of <laughs> the security system now. This is true. <laughs> you got lazy, Sky. <sighs> you forgot you were named Sky. <laughs> you, forgot, you forgot your roots. <laughs> I guess these are technically her roots is quake, but whatever. So let's talk about Raina a little bit because, and we've talked about her in the past, but she is even more of a master manipulator. I think, okay, so we have multiple levels of manipulators on this show. We have Garrett, who is like this abusive manipulator. We have Ward, who is, I don't even know what level. He's he's more sophisticated than Garrett. He has multiple levels of manipulation going on because he uses multiple tools to manipulate, like relationship tools. And he even went down a list on, in one of the episodes, like, I saved the girl, I slept with May, I, you know, whatever. And then there's Raina, and she is by far the best out of all of them because she uses, I think, empathy and familiarity. And I think, and I think she genuinely has, has it. Yeah. I think she genuinely connected with Coulson when she was like, she, she make, she makes herself into a true believer no matter what she's doing. Yeah. But like, like she, she says in this episode, like she was disappointed before to find out he wasn't actually clairvoyant, but until she knew he wasn't clairvoyant, she operated as if he was. Yeah. Like, she's willing to put a lot of faith into things and believe in people to get her own ends. I think because she believes in, in her own destiny. And I think that like, I don't know, man, that's a dangerous kind of character. It is. And and, and super interesting because like, I think she does legitimately shift loyalties like crazy. Like some characters pretend to have different loyalties, but I think she has them. <laughs> I, I think she was in with them for a while and was very, very in with them. But how loyal is it if, it's just can evaporate on a whim. Well, yeah, you know, like it's, in, it's, it's super interesting. Well, and it's just a means to an end for her, but the way that she uses the means, like you said, she becomes like a fervent believer and she fully like jumps into it. Like, she, I mean, the clairvoyant was just a means to an end for her. Like she just needed, she wanted to know her destiny from the clairvoyant. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't, she didn't care about all this other stuff. You know, she wanted the next step in human evolution, like Garrett was saying, but she didn't, that's not, she wants to know what her next step 
in the, the evolu- in her evolution is because she knows that there's this secret that um, is you know just needs to be unlocked in her DNA and all the Inhumans DNA. And I think she wanted a clairvoyant voice to explain that to her so that she could be prepared for it. But like as soon as that, like you said, that evaporated, you know, she moved on to the next thing. <laughs> and then when Garrett did become this crazy, like almost clairvoyant type character, then she was on board with him again. And she was like, oh, let me manipulate him. And then manipulating Ward in the same breath almost because she knew how abused he was I think like she just gets a good read on these relationships and what people's like true desires and true motivations are yeah she reads people like gangbusters yeah (laughs) crazy yeah she's a super interesting character and I'm excited to have more of her in season two well she's so so well performed too like we've mentioned before Rufnag is just awesome yep Definitely. Should we move on to Fitz? Sounds good. Yeah, he's ooh. This is the beginning of of a lot of hardship for our buddy. And, and was like the first moment. Like I like I didn't ca- catch it as much when I did watch it from the beginning the first time. But like this was a preview of that moment that I've mentioned before. But I love so much when in season three when 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 Gemma's like basically telling the story of how she survived on yeah. the, the whatever Cree colony planet. And how yeah, uh, how she depended on this dude who we find out find out later. Long term spoilers is a Hydra astronaut. Yeah. Uh, but but you know you know how he saved her and blah blah. blah. And Fitz just gets up and walks away because this is right after they were going to get together. Yeah. Like finally, at the end of the previous season, and uh, you know they've been apart for half a season or whatever, and and uh, she thinks he's walking away like in disgust or in anger or frustration. And he's just trying to replicate the way he retrieved her and like reopen the gate to the planet. And she doesn't realize what's happening at first. He's like, I'm trying to save him. Like he saved you. There's no question. Like it's the same character. He has this like selfless love for her. And it's so. And and I feel like he's just a good dude, but it's elevated to her. Yeah. It's like, that's the thing that that's the reason why Mac is my go-to Captain America (laughs) and not, and not, and like, and again, in addition to being Scottish, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, that Fitz can't do it because it's like he needs to be put in that situation. He needs to be, and it's not even his own in his own survival. I think mm-hmm. he'll he'll give up. Yeah. But for for Gemma's survival, he will do anything. Yeah, absolutely. It, but like, but Mac is basically like, I lost my daughter. I'm willing to do that for everyone. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want anyone else to go through that. Yeah. Like, Where we see that Fitz will go to lengths uh, that are questionable against other people that he has relationships with um, to save Gemma. <laughs> well, and just to and to save the world, the, like, yeah. like, like, like I, th- I still think, but the world that, and also by proxy, Gemma. Like, no, no, I, I think that that's that that is his big motivator for sure, yeah. and and like just there are things he does specifically the the Daisy or the Sky yeah. that he would never do to Gemma ever. Yeah, like like like, but he would, but he would do to anyone else. Yeah, basically, like, like, and I don't think he's necessarily capable of that right now. No, I think, but that's, he gets to that point yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. 
It's a bummer. It is. <laughs> Watching it happen. And it's so it's interesting because um, when we had Michal on as a guest, that was kind of the, yes. the first episode where we started. I, I, she did a really good job of explaining like this is the first time we see them as like separate entities and like the beginning of their really deep and meaningful relationship. And I think we just get more of that in this episode. And then it gets ripped away from us because Fitz is injured and we don't know his status. Like he's alive. That's like all we know. And we, I texted you this after I watched this episode, but like we're, this is a theme between the two of them. Like they, they come to a moment where they have an understanding, you know, they, they love each other. They're able to be together. And then it's ripped away over and over and over. (laughs) This one, it's like, this one's such a messed up moment because the, the, everything, the crisis they're under, the way it's happening, the brain damage situation, yeah. the martyrdom, everything that happens. Because I was going to mention it, but I decided like, oh, I should wait for discussion. But when when she's kissing his face, she might briefly kiss his lips the first time. Yeah. But it's not a romantic thing. No. It's a super, super affectionate thing. It's It's an extension and expansion, I think. Of what she said before, like, you know, we're super important to each other and she yeah. and we're best friends. And he's like, You're more than that to me. Like it wasn't, oh, I love you too. It was, it was holy crap, you're more than that to me too. And I don't even know how to process that yet. Yeah. And it's like she is not getting a chance to deal with this no. in a healthy, normal, uh, like natural way. He's been able to sit on his thumbs like a fake nice guy in cell moron, you know? Yeah. And be like, why doesn't she just notice that I like her? Like, come on, man. Like, if you'd had the guts to say something ahead of time, then it would at least be easier to repair yeah. once you've gone through some freaking therapy, you know, and, yeah. and rehab. But instead, you're basically at square one and it takes the rest of the freaking season <laughs> you have to get you yeah. back after you go through significant rehab. <laughs> so ridiculous. I know. No, you're absolutely right. That recurring theme's interesting. Oh, I want to mention real quick. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the work of Brian Fuller, but I really, really enjoy. Like, like uh, he, he got to start, I think, on maybe Vo- Star Trek Voyager, maybe. But uh, he created a bunch of shows like um, uh, Star Trek Discovery, most recently. And yeah. before that, uh, he did the Hannibal TV series. And from Whole Cloth, he created the shows Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies, and uh, before Pushing Daisies, uh, Wonderfalls mm-hmm. on Fox. And like every one of these stories, every one of them has a, a romance where the, the lead can't be with the person they're in love with. <sighs> Something is stopping them from being together. And whether it's a curse, whether it's magic, whether it's their situation – Something, something just gets them gets in the way. Even in pushing daisies, they're actually together, but they can never touch. Ah, uh, and it's like, and I think with him, I think with Brian Fuller, it feels like because of when he grew up, the era he grew up being uh, a gay man in America. I feel like it's maybe a metaphor for the uh, AIDS crisis in the gay community. Yeah, but. Because like there are just situation multiple situations where it's like I can't even when I'm with the person I love we can't be intimate yeah and I I, I feel like that maybe is is that direct translation and it's not quite to that point with Fitz and Simmons yeah. I don't think it's that metaphor by any means but it's just at the same time come on man like I give know. them a break like like because because seeing this we and we talked about it all season and and just ahead of that we talked about it before like they're they have this cursed love and it does it reminds me of those fuller stories like implicitly yeah, and, and it, it bums me out because I like both of them so much. And you like, 
I feel like you can't help but ship them together, even I though <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of a Simmons and and trip deal too. Like to, to, to be honest, if something goes wrong with Fitz, <laughs> and they're, they're able to make you know uh, another like whatever uh, able able to resurrect. I I really thought they would resurrect either Ward and or Trip. I know when they figured out that they could bring people because because they, they could have they could have brought. Not well, not resurrect, but brought that one out of the framework because they made real people through through Ava or Ada, so <sighs> it was possible. It was possible. I feel like I'm such a sucker for these like super tragic romance stories because I love the romance between Captain America and Peggy Carter, and just how they're it's that same thing where they're just cursed and like it's just like that missed opportunity. That is, that it, I have such a different view of it because the, in the comics yeah. connection, it it happened like like in real time more because mm-hmm. he's thought out in sixty three, and then they keep sliding the timeline. So it's like, oh, he's thought out a few years ago. So by the eighties, she's you know an old woman, but she's not like a really old woman, you know. <laughs> so she was in Avengers. She was she was in the Avengers as a as a support staff member, right? Like she she like ran around and then a headset like coordinated crap for the Avengers when she was like, what, whatever yeah. retirement age <laughs> and, and Cap and her couldn't have a relationship, whatever. Cause like, Oh, I'm a 65 year old lady and you're still in your twenties and, <laughs> and you're Captain America and I want you to go. Yeah. So your oats or whatever. So like before she even worked for the Avengers, he got together with her niece, Sharon yeah. Carter, who's in, who I think her grandniece maybe in the MCU, but is, uh, the woman from uh, Revenge, mm-hmm. and uh, and I believe uh, Everwood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and, and like, so for so long, for a large portion of her history or Cap's history, uh, Sharon's been his love interest, like much longer. Okay. And what's interesting right now, she has been aged to what she should be. <laughs> Oh. So like like somehow in the comics, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that's where they've left off. So she's elderly from like I don't even know how that's. I don't even know why she's she's elderly. It doesn't make sense because Cap was still <laughs> not the, the sliding timeline. Cap was still thought out like 15 years ago or whatever. So so, but I guess maybe it's because she's still uh, Peggy's niece or something in the comics so, but so she is uh now like physically an older lady but is also still a spy and <laughs> still still badass hey you know hey i'm all for it whatever yeah. i i like cap's 100 years old he can have a 60 year old girlfriend that looks 60 and yeah still badass spy i like why would why would anyone give him crap about that <laughs> in their world you know so that makes no sense so- but I also I do love uh, Peggy, and I wish that they would use uh, Disney Play to bring back Agent Carter. Yeah, and I want I really hope that because she's recently come back in Exiles, I really hope that the Captain America Peggy and her Bucky, who is uh, trying to date the uh, Tessa Thompson Valkyrie yes. in Exiles, I really hope they become a permanent addition to their cast. I think they will. They have They still oh haven't ended up putting them on all the covers yet. Amazing. But. I love but, it. But so I, much. I highly recommend that one. Also, for everyone who has enjoyed the Spider Man video game that was out recently, which I assume is everyone. <laughs> uh, and because uh, it seems like everyone but me, I know, has played it and loved it. But uh, between that and the, by the time 
uh, this has been released, it'll been out for a while, but Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, uh, so if, good. If you like that, is a natural segue from Peggy Carter because that Exiles comic is written by uh, Saladin Ahmed and it's really good. Yeah. And uh, he's writing uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man, the new so Spider-Man excited. comic. Starring Miles, it just started and is really good and did exactly what I mentioned before where I really wanted them to just tell a quick version. It's like literally one page, but it's just a version of him that doesn't, of his origin that doesn't involve freaking falling from another dimension yeah our world. and they just treat it like it's not yeah that. like he's just there yeah it's just like i got bit by this my uncle stole the spider spider-man approved like the original spider-man endorses me <laughs> like, 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 like that's it like i'm awesome and it's like a quick double page spread telling his origin and it's done really well i highly recommend that book that'll been out like a month when this comes out but everybody should definitely check that out all right i need to check it out for sure. Into the Spider-Verse is excellent, by the way. If you have, are listening to this and have not yet seen it, um, so good. So, so good. Um, at, from a new Spider-Man stan, uh, 2018 is the <laughs> my year to be a Spider-Man stan, apparently. <laughs> um, okay, let's – I want to talk about Fitz and Ward because I feel like – so what we know about Fitz and his father – is Fitz grew up in an emotionally abusive home also. <laughs> and Ward obviously did, and he ended up in a very different place. So I just found that interesting. Also, also like when he said the whole bit about him actually having feelings for uh, Fitz and, and Simmons, we yeah. kind of admitted it, like that made me think, Oh yeah, his whole thing was trying to protect his little brother. Yeah. And we talked about like, this before too, like that whole psychology around like him being attached yeah. to them is uh, coming from a place of, you know, trauma from his childhood. Oh. And he still pushes the button and releases them into the ocean cuz he's a dick. And that's the difference between him and Fitz. Fitz now, anyway, because Fitz later is a different story. But I just found that interesting that they come from similar backgrounds. No, that's that's true. From these super disapproving, emotionally abusive parents, and or at least da dad. I think I think we get the hint that maybe Fitz had an okay mom, but that she's not around yeah, right yeah, anymore. I think so. You just stuck with an abusive dad. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's the lesson there. Like, if you have one good parent, you're not going to be a total monster. Yeah, but, but if you got two dick parents and, and then a brother, you end up with Garrett. Yeah, and a dick, dick older brother, and you end up with Garrett. Like, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like, but and then how do their? Well, oh, I guess I was like, how did their how did their youngest ward turn out? Okay, and I'm like, yeah. oh, because he because uh, he was free of it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ward, ward freedom. Yeah, Ugh, and he took on that pain and burden and became this so yay uh, this is not the last we see of ward he is around as we mentioned before for the next three seasons four seasons technically if we count the framework so much more to come on him we'll be able to shit on ward for many more hours because i know our listeners love when i hate ward <laughs> and when you hate ward <laughs>
we do really like it anymore. <laughs> I didn't real like I said, I didn't think that we would talk so much about him in this podcast when we started this, but he has been a huge focus for us. Um <sighs> I would like to point out too that the younger Good Ward, only one with a beard. <laughs> I mean, oh I'd be, I would be, I'd be remiss. It wouldn't be on point if I didn't point out that Thomas Ward, when we meet him and he's disgusted by who Grant is, he does have, he does have a, a beard. So <sighs> Billy is, was talking to me this morning about shaving <laughs> his mustache off. And I was like, Jared's going to be so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying Chris, Christian Ward is evil. Senator brother. No beard. No beard. <laughs> All right. Garrett didn't have a beard either when he had a mustache in the comics. So maybe you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. no, mustaches are much more likely to be evil than beards. Then, not exclusively, but uh, you get your Magnum PIs to uh, yeah, yeah, break yeah. the break the rules. Uh, the original, of course. Um, you mentioned before uh, if Ian Quinn had appeared after this. And I think I mentioned maybe in his first appearance uh, that he only appears one more time. And that is in season five in episode 16 in like the little flashback thing where we see the rest of that scene after he covers the Brookhaverton <laughs> with a blanket. <laughs> like, wait, like, wait, wait, what, what the hell is that? Oh, I didn't even catch that, but that's really what, funny. <laughs> what is he, what is that going to do? What is he doing? Nobody's going to notice the swirling ball of metal. <laughs> if I cover it with a blanket first. Oh wow! Wait, so uh, the scene—he gets sucked into the gravitonium right after this. Well, they have him drive off. So what must have happened in the when he drives off? I believe we either see her again. I don't remember if she's in it or not. Uh, let me check. If Raina is in it, yeah, because Raina, Raina was, was, with was him. there. Yeah. What? I have no memory of this flashback scene. Did I like? Yeah, yeah. Raina, no, Raina's in the flashback. She is in it. Oh. Uh, and they only mentioned John Garrett. They couldn't. They couldn't get obviously him back for yeah. it. Uh, but no, no, for sure. In the flashback, they've got Ian Quinn's death. I'm, I'm looking at it right now uh, wow. on, on uh, the Marvel Wikia, which is not an official source, but is I don't know. It's reliable. I'm trusting somewhat. it on. I'm yeah. trusting it on this, and I remember seeing her and him in that scene. And I and I'm sure it didn't happen before this because it was in the like the origin of our our version of Graviton, right, right, which is not the Doctor who got absorbed in the, in the pilot. <laughs> what, yeah. uh, what second okay. episode? Wow! So this is like the last time we see Ian Quinn live, and that's yeah. it for him at all. It's the last time <laughs> until we get to season five, episode sixteen. The last time I have any reason to mention the casting directors should listen to this episode and they should put him in something with Tomo Pennicut as a brother. <laughs> Maybe they should bring him back with Tomo oh, Pennicut in. Yeah, he could be his brother. Six. You, that's yeah. a good idea. What, what, what could happen is Ian Quinn's uh, brother, I don't know, Brian Quinn or something. It could team happen. up with Lloyd Rathman. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm so happy that's what you said. <laughs> We're of one mind on this. This is true. So Brian just... Quinn, <laughs> Tom Pennicott, like... and Lloyd Rathman. I also like it doesn't rhyme, people. but but I just want to point I, like for anyone who doesn't think visually that Brian Quinn is the same three letters as Ian Quinn at the end. <laughs> it's just got two extra letters at the beginning. <laughs> 
god. god. So uh, good. Rathman okay, Watch that- is alive and well, don't fear. Yeah, we've got we, I will always think of a reason to mention Lloyd Rath. I don't care how roundabout it is. Uh I'm fully on board. No, that uh Yeah, that's the last we'll ever see of uh of him until that flashback scene. Which which hey, we got we got like a split second of more Raina, so I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. Um speaking of Raina and weird shit, uh Colson and the alien shit. So this is the beginning of a weird journey that we take <laughs> uh, with the GH325 and Coulson, uh, I don't even know what to call it, being possessed by this alien knowledge and it needing to come out somehow. Um, super creepy scene, super creepy end scene. And I think it was really well done to be put in the season finale to like get people excited for the next season because it's just like what is this like what's happening to colson we thought he was fine and he's clearly not <laughs> oh no that, that was a great that was a great like scary uh, finale like cliffhangery moment for sure because i don't know it doesn't show that he's like evil by any means but it does show that there was something to what garrett was saying about them being like on the same wavelength he's like we're yeah. blood brothers oh and god it, it, i forgot it, it, about that <laughs> oh no that, that that moment when he says that he looks so crazy he's, he's so- at full scale going like top to bottom bloggers <laughs> like he is <laughs> well and oh, like, i think god. he'd already said I, I think uh the one you mentioned uh fury had already said like like that. I, you didn't tell me he was this crazy and then he says something like oh blah 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 colson knows what i'm talking about we're blood brothers he's oh, like yeah. oh wow yeah. i think he says like again something like wow he is like like he is really crazy <laughs> like man it is it is such a good episode like, like 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 the second part i think is maybe i preferred a little bit because of the amount of uh nick fury we got yeah but no, this is a great two-parter, and I, I I liked it. I did, too. Yeah. Uh, this is the end of season one. We if, finished season one. I can't believe one. it. So crazy. 22 episodes. Um, long-ass seasons, uh, and it's going to continue. We got through it a lot faster <laughs> than a season, though, because of our recording schedule. Yes, we did. Um, Which is cool, because that means we'll get through, like, yes. long before we release it all, we'll get we'll, – We'll end up being so far ahead of our release of our release schedule. It's going to be weird. I know. I think um, we could probably release like double episodes, like we have, like we did for Thanksgiving every once in a while. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. We will for the holidays, and we will after that with this episode. Yes, this is considered a double episode, which um, it's going to have to be. <laughs> yeah, be so, this, this will be our longest one yet. But- oh, for sure. But yeah, thank you guys for sticking with us um, throughout this whole first season. Hopefully this uh, style of recording went okay. Uh, The longer format wasn't too much for you. If it is, uh, we can go back to doing two-parters, but the discussion warranted that we record it together. Um, I think it did, and I think that overall, this is going to be less of your time. (laughs) I think if you would have done two episodes... They probably would have been an hour and a half each. (laughs) I think so. And we just would have ended up repeating a lot of the same stuff. So this is, I think, better for more efficient just stop this one halfway through yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you finish this go back and re-listen but stop it halfway through this time <laughs> 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 <I don't. laughs> that's 
all I ask. I don't think that's too much. Not too much. (laughs) You've stuck with us this for this long, like, and you know what? You know, we can. We have so much power over you. For (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, your free uh, shield coverage. What else? Whatever would you do? Not knowing how we how we hate Ward. And Love Mac. (laughs) I feel like that could be the subtitle. Kate Ward, Love Mac, Rathman Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Those are our buzzwords for sure. All righty. How can the good people find you on the interwebs? Uh, Occasionally, I will be seen at I Snow Nothing. And that is with no G, which I apologize (laughs) for using. uh, I I missed. How many episodes have we released though? Like. 14 i think now. yeah so one out of they, 14 i misspelled you got a good you got a good track record and okay. i'm pretty sure it was an autocorrect situation because i was doing it on my phone that time instead of on my laptop so yeah no g i snow nothing <laughs> sorry i'm all right um you can some find guy me. was confused yeah. on twitter I'm oh, sure. God. It, it was some guy that had like 20 followers or something like that too he probably never uses twitter ever and is like why are so many people retweeting this thing with my username in it <laughs> this is weird sorry dude if you're listening now um, <laughs> yeah, if you're you listening listening. Now, yeah if you're a listener now that was a happy coincidence thanks it for is. sticking around um, you can find you can find me um, on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. Uh, you can find the podcast at Project Tahiti. You can send us an email at Project Tahiti Pod at gmail.com. You can DM us, tweet us, um, leave us a review and rating on iTunes. Are we going to start asking for that now that we're into season two? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, so people can find <laughs> us. Um, and thanks so much for listening guys it's been a great first season we can't wait uh to start season two and start getting into some crazy alien shit so yeah um, we'll get further away from the mcu but we'll get further down the rabbit hole into weirdness and some of the goodness and we'll get in humans and time travel and Cree, and this is gonna be fun robots and all kinds of stuff space yeah oh the lmd stuff and and one of my favorites ghost rider Yes. Oh, lots of favorites. Uh, or, I mean, lots of people favorite that. That was a sentence. <laughs> lots of people's favorite. Yeah, that is lots <laughs> of people's favorites. There we go. <laughs> awesome. um, but yeah, thanks for listening, guys, to Project Tahiti. It is a magical place. Catch you later. Bye.